Basically, the thing is, super injunctions don't extend to social media. Oh, ha! Or international news. So, I've got a feeling that will be more there. Something's coming down the pipe. Oh, dear. Because it already went up. Oh, good afternoon, morning, evening, or the twilight hours. Hello! You are indeed a witch listening along whilst brewing your specials. Indeed a. Which? Did you just put an H, an H in which? I put an H in which. An H? A-H. An H A-H. in which. What a bunch of A-H. What a bunch of A-N- <laughs> Welcome H's. one and all to the Pop Culture Podcast, Big Damn Cast, where we talk about nerdy news, geeky gossip and stuff that doesn't really matter, but we're all going to die one day, so why not, Chuck? Why not? Why not? Let's have some surprises in the meantime. Take that joy in nihilism. That reference will make no sense to at least 98% of our listeners. But Google Syllablack. Um, she sounds like a cat. <laughs> she looks like a cat. You know, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas, the bit where the mayor's like saying, "Sound the alarm, skeleton Jack is a pile of dust," and he's, he's the alarm on his car is a cat ornament, and he like turns the tail. <laughs> Who's saying that that was Syllablack? The noise it makes is <laughs> terrible, terrible news. <laughs> Um, the, the, so... the, the, the noise is You are a monkey kid <laughs> <laughs> Daddy has a dustbin lid <laughs> I thought these guys were going to talk about Birds of Prey No nope. We are Yeah, Silla Black is in <laughs> uh, We're talking about Birds of Prey We're going to go spoilers dupe on it the Red Canary uh, If you want to <laughs> If you want to know <laughs> If you want to know our thoughts on Birds of Prey without the spoilers, then please head to Big Damn Channel on YouTube and watch our spoiler-free live after the movie reaction. But also just go watch Birds of Prey first because it's really good. It's really freaking good, guys. It's really good. Spoiler alert, it's really good. Um, but first, Matthew. Yes. Matthew Watson. Yes! Co-host of the show. That is indeed my name. Myself, Christopher Johansson. That is apparent, allegedly your name. The Oscars happened. One of your 12 names. One of my 17 names. I go by many names. <clears throat> Some call me Ruppity Puppity. One of my secret names. Others call me Marjorie Keek. Uh! There are some who call me Katu, the bringer of corn. <laughs> some call me the Dreamweaver. Um, I'm Rudy Van Desario, just fusion guitarist. There Dream we go. Weaver. That's um, a more up-and-coming 2004 reference for whoa. our young listeners. Uh, the Oscars happened. We talked about them. We talked about how the Oscars are kind of bollocks, and they... Ultimately, the nomination is more important than the win because the nomination will always boost a film's profile regardless of, of what it is, where it's thought of, blah, 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 which is good for smaller films, short films, independent films, foreign language films, animated movies, etc., yeah. etc. Um, and also does attract some people to performances that maybe you know they wouldn't have seen because they were interested in the movie. Then they go, oh, oh, they got nominated. I wonder why. I shall watch this movie. And sometimes it draws people to performances they wouldn't normally have seen because they're not interested in and the movie's not interesting. Mm-hmm. So you realise why the fuck did I bother watching this? But mostly it's a I'm competition... I'm at you, call me by your name. It's a competition... Oh, yeah. It's a competition of um, which producers or execs or company heads wined and dined a bunch of elderly men in the old folks' homes who's still a part of the Academy. <laughs> Seriously, what was it? It was... It was um, I, can't, I, I don't want to accuse the wrong director, but I think it was a Spielberg movie. I'm like, no, it was Ron Howard. 
Uh, do you remember how direct Philadelphia? Uh, possibly. I think it might have been that. It might have been that film. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Have a little looky. Have a little Let me look at uh, uh, fucking Ron Howard directing Philadelphia. <laughs> but it was Ron Howard was apparently the first to do this. Start a tradition that a lot of uh, directors and producers and whatnot have started doing. Uh, Jonathan Den. Oh. Who um, also directed Sandlots of the Lambs. Oh, the, mm, okay. What's Ron Howard's connection? I can't quite remember. Ron Howard. What's Ron Howard's filmography? Uh, storied. <laughs> well, yes, but it wasn't. This wasn't. This wasn't fucking campaigning for the Grinch who stole Christmas. Put it that way. He's <laughs> fifty fucking films, man. Um, he's a jobber. He's a jobbing director. Is Ron Howard? Uh, he occasionally delivers an absolute. Do you, uh, do you know what year this might have been? It would have been eighties, nineties era. Uh, so Splash, Cocoon, Gung Ho, uh, Willow. Parenthood, Backdraft, Far and Away, The Paper, Apollo 13, Ransom. Apollo 13. It was for Apollo 13. As okay. Tom Hanks was in the connection. So Okay. So he started this thing where basically he went to like the retirement homes in LA for the usually like rich and the usually famous and all this, that and the other. And the members of the Academy Board that stay in these places, Ron Howard went there first on his campaign trail for Apollo 13 for mm. Oscar recognition. Why? Because a lot of the voting members that are in there, like remember the moon landings, remember most of the NASA expeditions over the years, and it was the whole thing of like, yeah, we're celebrating America and astronauts and, and us conquering space travel. Isn't this amazing? So that was it was the immediate market for so many of them to be like, oh, well, of course we're going to vote for Apollo 13. I remember when I had erections. I remember when I had a rocket in my pocket. <laughs> I called it my Apollo. She was 18 and legal. Um, I remember <laughs> when we could call those folks. N- never mind. Never mind. Don't put that on the ballot. Um, so <laughs> I don't want to put any of them on the ballot. And no Oscars ever will. Hey. Oh, dear. Um, well, yeah, that, that sort of tradition began. Essentially, if you're a winner at the Oscars or you're a big player or you're one of those, like, seven that recur in every category as we moaned about a few weeks ago... It's because you're a fucking... You're giving like, handjobs to old people. You're yeah. either an old or you, the old's like you. Yes, essentially. So there ye be. Um, it's got to change because they've got to, I say they've got to die eventually, but then someone else is just holding it. It's why the Oscars voting body, especially the higher powered ones who have a bigger uh, influence on it all, needs to be more diverse. <laughs> it has to be more diverse. It really does. Um, because it is primarily old, white, rich. Well, it's the problem. It's an industry. Uh, uh, the, the performing arts industries tend to be industries that don't reflect the makeup of the population as a whole. And that's so why. So they don't necessarily reflect the diversity of their audience. I think it's getting better. Oh, it's absolutely getting better. Because um, that, that was our pleasant surprise, I think, with, with the Oscar results. Um, if you haven't seen yeah. them, folks, I'd be surprised, because social media talked about them non-stop for a couple of days. Well, we're going to briefly... Ongoing bid to distract us all from the the uh, acquittal, but not uh, um, proven of innocence over in the States, oh, and the fact up. that over here, a mini-media storm around a television personality is uh, calculated and timed also partly to distract us from the fact our government isn't implementing a thing that they keep celebrating that they've done now. Mm. Is your life any different, folks? I don't think it is! Is your life any better? So... Mine isn't. Uh... Gets worse every day. Oh my god! Um, I'm gonna buy you a sausage roll. Oh no! <laughs> That's a euphemism. That will get worse. I <laughs> will make it worse. Um, the Oscars, however, did uh, did surprise us. They did surprise. Well, yeah. By... Well, that's one of the list of 
list of linners. The list of linners. The list of... Um, Welcome to our list of linners. This is the list of... <laughs> Not to be confused of, with our article of our victories. On the subject of linners, did you see... <laughs> I know where this is going. Did you, you see... No, uh, no, not specifically. I mean, um, <laughs> did you see the the sort of crying that Graham Linehan's been doing about how much work he's lost because he's been transphobic? Yeah. Or as he calls it, gender critical. Yeah, he's not transphobic. You see, he's not transphobic. I've lo- he's I've trying to lost, he's trying uh... to defend people's rights in a, in a very muddied water where there are a lot of predatory individuals. Lost... Piss off, Linehan, because you don't know whether work. or not you can put your penis in a person. You've decided to become a hateful. Hateful bastard. I've lost loads of work because I'm a transphobe. <laughs> Turns out if you're a bigot, people don't like you anymore. Um, <laughs> it's not that. It's the fact that he's an aggressive transphobe. He is an aggressive Like, transphobe. he wouldn't have lost work had he just kept his shitty views to himself. Yeah. He wouldn't have lost work. But he keeps pushing at it and swearing that he's not but proving with every breath that he is there's that, I just it's sort of article because he, he, he went on Newsnight on, on Thursday oh, on New, Monday on night oh, okay. this week um, to talk about oh, it oh wow is it, is it Kirsty Young I can't rehearse that she's aggressive and Scottish and brilliant and she basically just shot him down throughout yeah. the entire thing at one point he talks about like, I do this because like you know w- women need to speak up she said you can't tell women what they need to do <laughs> And you can just see him on the verge of wanting to, sh- to just like shout and strop, and he can't because he's like, I'm on television, I can't do this. I'm like, <laughs> it's just like, fuck off, Glenna. Black Books' best work happened after Dylan Moran took well, it over. Well, you've already lost half your career, Linus, so why not lose the other half? That's <laughs> what I say. Um, let's have a quick run up the Oscar winners. Sometimes the people who make the things you like turn out to be monsters. Um, and sometimes the people who present the daytime shows. Anyway, so. We'll just uh, uh, rattle hashtags, through. Everybody, hashtags. We'll rattle through the. Um, the technical ones. Uh, best visual effects went to 1917. Uh, best film editing went to Ford v Ferrari. Best costume design, Little Women. Best mm-hmm. makeup and hairstyling was Bombshell. Best cinematography. Do you know what? Do you know what? Yes, the makeup in that is phenomenal. Yeah, like the, the subtle prosthetics and everything to get everyone looking like the real life figures. Um, best cinematography went to 1917. Roger Deakins. Sure. Which is like his fourth Oscar or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, best production <laughs> design is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, that's um, that, uh, really... It's about Hollywood and it looks like that, old Hollywood. That's one of, one of the things you need to do if you want the Academy, the old Academy to love you. You make, make a, a film move, yeah. about Hollywood. About old Hollywood. La La Land, anybody? Best sound mixing went to 1917. I feel like the, the, the technicals are probably well deserved for 1917 because a lot of it was oh, long shots and having to blend it to look like one take. True, but when it gets like every category, I'm not seeing it. There's a weird can't. suspicion of like this well. is just a. It's because it's a historical, which is another one. Yeah, it's a war love, film. They love a recent historical, love a war film. usually war films. Uh, best sound editing. Best sound editing's for the Ferrari. Sure. Yeah. Uh, best original song. I'm gonna love me again from Rocket Man. Great. My Elton John and Bernie Taupin. Only not it got though. Yeah, which is weird. It's fucking weird. Fucking whatever. But um, cause it's because it's about an out-and-out gay man, so the Academy are not interested in doing it. No. Unless, unless the studio pushes for it. But I don't get the sense that the Rocket Man lot were ass-kissing. I get the sense that they were just like, no, here's our work. Let it speak for, your for consideration, itself. everybody. Vote for it. It should have spoken for itself. It did speak for itself. Mm. But they weren't fucking listening. Uh, best original score went to Joker. Uh, Hildo uh, Gunnidotti. Yeah, sure. Wait, who was um, it up against again? Uh, Little Women, Alexander Desplat, Marriage Story, Randy Newman, 1917, Thomas Newman, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, John Williams. Um, I feel like that's why John Williams 
has been recently given like you know lifetime achievements and there was the massive online yeah. celebration of his birthday i feel like it's because he didn't get this and this was probably going to be the last score of his that's nominated you get the sense yeah. you get the sense from the way they've been talking about him recently that he's either about to retire or people are saying to him john stop 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 john <laughs> stop john please please stop please john. stop um, um, Skywalker score is nice, but out of those, from the ones I've heard, which is like three of them, yeah, Joker. Yeah, yeah. the score's very good. Yeah. Um, best the soundtrack, an- not so much. Best animated short was Hair Love. Yeah. Uh, best live action short was The Neighbor's Window. Best short documentary was Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if you're a girl. Best documentary feature was American Factory. Uh, best international feature was Parasite. Best animated oh, feature. I wonder if that's going to win anymore. Mm. Best animated feature was Toy Story 4. I'm sad about that, but I had a theory. Was it a demon? A dancing demon? No, it's something isn't What's right your theory? There. My theory is this. Um, Klaus should have won it, let's be honest. Klaus was a mix of hand-drawn CGI mm. techniques. It was fucking beautiful. Uh, but, but. But. Toy Story 4. So, the best animated film category only started... Because of Toy Story, the, yeah. wheel, the wheels began turning when Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture in '92. Yeah, and the Academy, of course, being all scared and this, that, and the other, were like, "We can't have cartoons up for Best Picture again. This is ridiculous." So they set about making a separate category. Toy Story cemented that happening because mm. Toy Story was, of course, the first full feature-length computer animated movie. Um, Toy Story Four winning. I don't hate. It should have been Klaus. But I don't hate because you look at Toy Story and visually and look at Toy Story 4 and it's a visual like representation of how far this medium has come in that time. Like the look of those two films is far apart from each other. The original is, is a better movie and a simple tale and straightforward and has a great set of pieces and is beautifully directed and is beautifully animated. But like you can see the progression of the medium and the hard work of the animators these days who've had to learn computer-generated animation and everything over the last couple yeah, of years. It's days. almost like a, a historical document now. Yeah. In like, the way that it... So Toy Story 4 getting yeah. it is, it's the before and after. Yeah. This is the after. Um, so I don't hate it. Do you know the first winner of Best Animated film, Feature Film was? First winner? It was in 2001. Toy Story 2. Shrek. Oof! Yeah. That's disappointing, isn't it? Oof! That's depressing. I hate Shrek. That's depressing. The more people like Shrek, the more I hate it. (laughs) Just to be contrary. Um, (laughs) Best adapted screenplay. uh, Taika Waititi for Jojo Rabbit, based on the novel Caging Skies by Christine Lunens. Uh, So, turns out that you can be funny in this woke culture. Todd Phillips, and you can win an Oscar for it. Um, I love that so much. Well, well, you can't be funny anymore, so I'm going to go make the Joker. And best adapted screenplay goes to the guy who makes a film about a kid in Nazi Germany whose best friend is an imaginary Hitler. Well, it's it also fuck you, Todd Phillips. Taika Waititi like retweeted that news article and was like, <laughs> "Oh, brilliant! <laughs> I love this guy." <laughs> oh, good. Um, best original screenplay: uh, Parasite, Bong Joon Ho, and Han Jin Won. Uh, best supporting actress Laura Dern for Marriage Story. We're finally getting um, Parasite next week, aren't yeah. we? But, it, but it's uh, Cineworld. Is it Cineworld only? Cineworld. Uh, the other cinemas are doing a release of it, but Cineworld's doing like a yeah. This is going to be in every Cineworld. It'll hopefully, be on now TV soon then. Because um, I, I, I was like, what is it about? And I read into it, and it's basically like an Inside Number Nine episode, but feature length. That seems like it. And it's like, oh god, yes. Um, oh god, a bit more social commentary, but it's like, yes, okay. <laughs> 
This uh, is a dark, twisted comedy of errors. Brilliant. Best supporting actor, Brad Pitt, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sure, I saw his acceptance speech. His acceptance speech was really nice. I still am weirded out that everyone has forgotten about the uh, abuse allegations. Are yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Not sexual abuse, but mental Enough and abuse. physical yeah. abuse of actors. Abuse. Yeah. It um, is really weird that that seems to have been just glossed over, but it's because he made a movie about old Hollywood, so old Hollywood love him. Yes. Uh, best actress went to Renee Zellweger. For Judy. The, if I remember um, correctly, like the earliest film in the list of ones that were being recognised outside of the small categories. Mm. I think I think the very earliest might have been Avengers Endgame. Like an April release. I think that might be the earliest that is acknowledged elsewhere. Their best visual effects, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really weird. It's like it's almost like all the films are just being sort of picked from the ones that have come out during quote-unquote Oscar season, mm. i.e. October to January. Uh, <gasps> best actor was Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Aye. I'm kind of glad that that on the score are the only awards that it got. Same, same. <laughs> but I'll say, I went to Asda on uh, I went to Asda at the, uh, in Trafford on um, Monday morning, and the stands were up because the the Blu-ray and DVD was out on Monday. Uh, the stands were all up. There was oh, some God. at the bottom of the escalators, some at the top, and every single copy had an Academy Award winner sticker on it. But like. All roughly in the same spot, all roughly facing the right way, or facing upwards, but just occasionally a little dip. So you're like, some poor fucker. I've had to paste that I've on. I've had to paste that on oh. either either at the point of distribution for each store, or an employee has had to wait. I imagine they probably store. came with a roll of them. Why well, do not Because usually those DVDs have come like the next. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll roll thing. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, so someone at the Asda store has been told, right, you've got to stay up yeah, and get to the store at this time and put this on every copy. And it's not on every every Oscar-related film, Oscar-nominated or Oscar-winning, that was in store. Because I had a look, I was like, right, are any others? Just Joker. So it's Warner Brothers have just sent a big ream of stickers. Just Joker. If it hadn't won... But think about that, how much they... As petty as this sounds, a roll of, like, pristine, freaking like, gold-papered, all this, that, the other stickers. A roll of, say, like, 100 stickers, you're talking probably... 50 quid or more like these specially made thingies yeah there was definitely about 200 copies of this DVD in this one big store if that film hadn't won that's like thousands of pounds in the UK thousands probably verging on tens of thousands spent on reams of stickers that may not get used what's the first person someone like you or I would do what's the first person what's the first thing (laughs) a person like you or I would do Fucking hell. Well, what's the first on the mood. Some thing... Some black widow guy, the some Captain America guy. What's the first person a thing like you or I would do? Yes. If we got hold... If we did, for some bizarre reason, buy a Blu-ray copy of Joker with that sticker on, peel the fucking thing off. Yeah. And put it in the bin. Yeah. Because we like our covers I like my covers nice to be covers. Fucking... I, I regret not taking the sticker off of my Gorillaz uh, Demon Days album years ago, because when I finally got it back when I moved back up north... It was at that point now where I'm gonna have to like clean it off with a fucking Brillo pad and a and a, and a, a screen uh, thingy. Methylated spirits, mate. What? I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm soon gonna be stripping a bunch of Warhammer 40k and Lord of the Rings miniatures to start getting back into the hobby again, and I'm gonna be using methylated spirits. My dude, so you're literally just gonna dip them, like some kind them. of like some kind of merciful Who um, uh, Roger Rabbit uh, sequence. Them, you soak them. You take a brush to them. God damn. Lots of naked Aragons and you wait. Oh, <laughs> you put it that way. I got, I've already got a couple of naked Gandalfs awaiting some painting. 
I can get hold of an Aragorn anytime I like. I'm just hey. looking at my little green book. Hey! Um, <laughs> um, finally, best director and best picture. Uh, same film. Parasite for both. Bong Joon-ho for best director and uh, producers Quack Sansi and Bong Joon-ho for, for best film. Now, I don't know what's happened. Green book to Parasite in a year. I don't know if Parasite have just campaigned like crazy to the older academy. I don't know if somebody at the older academy has just had a word and been like, look, you guys are seen as incredibly racist or yeah. at best xenophobic. Do maybe, not give it to joke. <laughs> maybe it's... T- yeah, the whitest film because the, the dude whitest, puts on fucking face paint. The whitest white film about white people whining about being white. M- Melissa... Um, uh, Villanda, I can't remember her name now. She's on the SNL cast. They did a thing the other week about Oscar nominations and she sang a song about some of the best picture nominations. Uh, a song that was called White Male Rage. Mm. And it's hilarious because the reaction from hardcore fans of Joker... Again, people who love it, there are people who love it, and that's great, but there are people who aggressively love it online. The majority of those people have reacted hilariously Well, because it's controversial and seminal and important. No, it's not. Fucking bland. No, it's not. This movie would, this not. Movie would have done well because it's a great movie, says Todd Phillips. No, Todd. No. It did well... Because you used an IP, a recognisable name, a famous character. Shut the fuck up and sit down, Todd Phillips. Shut the fuck up and sit down. No wonder he's now open to doing a sequel. He doesn't want to let go of this success he's had. He doesn't want to let go of it. Joaquin has said he did. it's a one and done deal. And then he was asked later, Todd Phillips has been talking about a sequel, do you want to do it? And Joaquin was like, well, we did talk about ideas of where the character could go. So if the right one struck, I'd be up for maybe considering it. Don't do it, Joaquin. There's only one place Don't the character can go. And that's in a Batman film. And then... Even then, he would, he'll be Im- the worst Joker ever. Yeah, he would immediately be fucking knocked out within three minutes. Because he'll be about 70 years old. Yeah. And Batman will spark him out within a second because he's not a criminal mastermind. He just about just got away with the things that happened in the film. Fucking schmuck who gets lucky. He kills some people in an act of violent self-defence. And then he shoots a talk show host. Those are his supervillain achievements, unquote. Ooh. That's it. I'm so scared. This is not the Joker. Fuck off, everyone. He's more like Dylan fucking Roof than he is the Joker. I'm so glad people dug it. I really am. I'm glad they enjoyed it as a character piece. And, and like maybe this will now open people up to seeing more artsy stuff and more character-led stories. If you really like Joker and you've never seen King of Comedy, guys, go back and watch King of Comedy. Do yourself a fiver. It's a better Joker than Joker because it's the film Joker's ripping off. And it's a better character study. It's really, really, really uncomfortable viewing. It's great. You want to see some more stuff about sociopaths, psychopaths, uh, you know, people who are just out and out villains? Because that's another thing as well. Everyone's like, oh, this movie's so Joker. And it deals with important stuff. It's like, that's right. so Joker. It's not Joker at all. It's not Joker in any way apart yeah. from the look. Um... But Killing Joke, Killing Joke, it's not the exact story of The Killing Joke, and The Killing Joke is just one interpretation. You're the exact same people who argue that, yeah, but it's cool that he's not got a backstory, so fucking make your mind up, for mm. God's sake. But, like, you want to you see character studies about people who are actually, you know, scary, not nice people, who that, that do touch on the ideas of, like, people's psychology, on mental health, things like that, but in a way where they're like, yeah, unabashedly, this is fiction, we're not here to try and make an important message whilst also making you cheer for the person hurting people. Mm. Watch films like Bronson. Yeah. Bronson's fucking excellent. 
It's about an unashamedly horrible person who is real and exists, and they tell the story in a very theatrical way that is not does not shy away from the idea of, yeah, this person isn't nice. And he knows he's not nice. And we're not going to try and make you sympathise, but we are going to make you try and understand him a bit. That's our mission in this film. There you go. Like, you shouldn't come away from Joker going, oh, I felt so bad for Arthur. Because the things Arthur does in that film are not nice things. There are things in that film that highlight problems. Absolutely. <clears throat> within the way society handles mental health, within the way that um, freaking, you know... Uh, but then, then again, the actual the actual government funded and, and medical side of it, the way it's it's sort of it's handled there. But it's also set in the eighties, so well, there's a disconnect also, from today too. It's a film that simultaneously um, highlights and demonizes yes people with mental health problems. Yeah, it it doesn't pick a lane. No, it doesn't pick a lane. The right thing to do would be to pick one and pick the right one, and. You know, especially if especially if you want your film to have a message about what is really going on and, and what is being ignored and what is, you know, what's being caricatured. But you can't because you're making a film called Joker about an evil clown. So make your fucking mind up. Ah, anyway. This used to be a fun house. I don't like Joker. I don't know if I mentioned that. Before. Now it's full of evil clowns. It's a pink song for every occasion. I know, I don't. I'm just enjoying the smile you had on your face while you did it. It was nice. Now, if you do want an evil clown movie that makes you sympathise with the character uh, but doesn't take itself remotely seriously... And go and watch Clown by John... A clown is great. <laughs> by John Watts. Clown is great. Clown's a freaky body horror film, guys. It's so it. And then that guy goes on to make two lovely chirpy Spider-Man movies. Oh, it's so good. Because of Clown. Clown was the film that made them go, he's good. Let's he's good. Let's, let's get him to do that. <laughs> oh, clown watch. is brilliant. I'm so glad could, you introduced me to Clown. I can watch Clown again right now. Um, it's the Clown. <laughs> it's the Clown. Fucking Peter Stamere. <laughs> Being Peter Stamere as Fuck. <laughs> Um, we, <laughs> we a couple of months ago we finally got around to watching John Wick 2 and uh, of course like he's yeah. in the opening scene and the moment he was Lucy who like was an avid uh, Until Dawn player like she platinum oh, it within yeah, yeah. two weeks nice she just turned to me and just went psycho bear <laughs> I was like yeah that's him <laughs> that's your storm air uh, there he is um, you... a good person Russian part sorry made in Taiwan Send us your favourite Peter Stamere quote uh, in, on a, in a stamped address envelope to bingdamncontact.umod.com uh, See how that works. So, let's talk about Birds of Prey yeah, and, and the, the fantabulous, fantabulous emancipation, emancipation of one, one Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. Or as it's now known in the States. Harley, Harley Quinn, Quinn, colon, Birds, Birds of, of Prey. prey. Um, oh, the post, post just came through the door. The post I came... I hope it's not a clown. I hope it's not a bomb. Oh, 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 that, oh well, now I'm just concerned. Oh. Yeah. Well, we'll sit here and we'll keep recording. Because um, if we do blow up, we won't know. We'll have been blown up. We've been trying to blow up for three and a half years now, Chris. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> He's not in it. Um, but his shadow looms large over the film. Uh, because it is the motivation for the story of the film in the first place. Uh, 
we spoke in previous episodes about how I had I had a concern that was like is is suicide the existence of the Suicide Squad movie the first Suicide Squad going to mean that this film leans heavy on it. Due I mean, to I just Joker generally have concerns about the existence of that film, but that's know. just more... Great soundtrack, that film. That's the only thing I, I... Now that it's all said and done, the only thing where I'm like, that's pretty damn great, is the soundtrack. Great soundtrack's soundtrack. very poorly used. Yeah, oh God. In the film, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of the songs that appear in the film aren't on the soundtrack, because the soundtrack is mostly original music. Brilliant. Like, made for the film. Brilliant. Including the, se- the single... Heathens by 21 Pilots, which is a better Suicide Squad movie than Suicide Squad. The lyrics of that song are a better suicide, a better understanding of Suicide Squad than anything in the film. Um, my worries uh, were fruitless, ladies and gentlemen. Having now seen it, the film gives you your sort of crash course on the world of, uh, of Suicide Squad in terms of Harley Quinn within the first two minutes, and then it moves the fuck on. And it's all good. Uh, does the film acknowledge Suicide Squad? Yes. In three sort of gentle little nods to it. Um, one which especially makes more sense going forward. <clears throat> because obviously Harley Quinn is going to meet Boomerang again. So there's a little nod to Boomerang in yes. the movie. So it's like, cool. Alright. I'm down with that. Um, this is great. Uh, spoiler free thoughts for a little bit before we dive into spoilers. If you want our spoiler free thoughts... <laughs> And reactions got on YouTube. Big did a mime and everything, but you can't see it because he did dive because uh, you're on audio. But I had to, it wasn't quite a mime because I had to do the at the end because you're on audio. But I just um, I've, I've over explained. You it taking now. the pish? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. The, <laughs> the I've said too much, oh, God. but not enough. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's good, guys. Birds of Prey is really fun you guys don't like dc no we love dc we've just not been very keen overall on the dc extended universe movies I just like good films we like good films and out Why of the can't DC, films be good out of the dcu films the films that we on a technical on a you know analytical and just on a personal level the ones that we've enjoyed have been wonder woman yep uh we both got a kick out of aquaman oh yeah aquaman's great big dumb fun uh we both really like shazam yep we both really like Birds of Prey. Yeah, um, it's fun. What to say? It's got um, such. It's it's it comes at you with this like almost demented <laughs> energy. Yes, and just beats you into submission with a big fluffy fun hammer. <laughs> it's like you are gonna have fun. You're gonna have fun. Oh, I've just broken someone's legs. You're gonna have fun. Um, <laughs> it's. There's a lot of leg breaking. In this yeah, film. there's definitely a bent leg agenda in this. Um, fucking birds of prey coming out in cinemas, pushing its broken leg agenda <laughs> on all these fucking str- on all those straight legged people. I can't believe the whole like it's making a massive loss. No, it's making a loss based on Warner Brothers projections. Yes, yeah, it'd be fine. It's a February <laughs> release of a spin off to a film that was not well received. Like I think they kind of threw it out there to die, but I think it's going to do pretty well. I hope it does. Word of mouth, it especially, is good. I hope will save it because it is so much fun. Uh, it's R-rated, which I did not realise yeah, until we sat down yeah. and the 15 certificate came up. I was like, I just turned to you and went, is it? And you went, yes, yeah, R-rated in the States. I was like, what the... F- huh? It's a, it's, a pretty, okay. it's a pretty fucking hard 15 as well. I mean, F-bombs are at least yeah. circulating around 50 plus. Um, the violence There's is not- spectacular. It's not... I think the reason it's not an 18, 
over here is because the gore is minimal yeah. and more implied it's not than as, seen. It's not as bloody as something like a John Wick, but it's got a similar sort of impact and yeah. weight to it. It's it's jo- it's 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 a glitter bomb John Wick. Yeah. Um, and the choreography is beautiful. And it's really nice that all so all four of the of the well five really of the titular birds of prey have their own very distinct ways of moving and fighting. Yeah. Which make the action sequences with multiple people in way more interesting. Um Oh yeah, speaking of, um so Journey Smollett Bell, who yes. plays Black Canary. Um, Brilliantly. I she said add. she said in her research she became a fan <clears throat> of Black Canary by playing with the character in Injustice Two. Brilliant. Which also influenced how she physically portrayed her fighting and the depiction of the hypersonic screams. Lots of kicks. Oh god, yeah. Lots oh, of kicking. Yeah. I mean Black, Black Canary Black Canary's a tough one to master in Injustice Two because she's very heavy on parrying. Yeah. And and kick combos. Like a lot of her moves rely on you getting your opponent just close enough to you. That you can execute a combo that will then grab them and lead them into a move. Yeah. Like, I can't play Canary really well because I can't quite master it. But I've played against people online who've wiped the fucking floor with me as Black Canary. She's very leg heavy. Like, she's really based in kicks. She's and, the Chun Li of Injustice, too. Oh, yeah. And fucking. She never skips a leg day. Journey Smollett Bell. Yes. Yes, she, like now that I've read that, I'm like, yep, yeah, she's based on the Injustice Two version, of which is neat because is. it's it's like using <laughs> other interpretations of that character to inform your performance in a way that isn't necessarily is is physical, which is I think is a really interesting approach to. Oh yeah, I think it's a really interesting approach to action filmmaking is when you have an action heavy film instead of weighing it down with dialogue, you put <laughs> you put the the character into their physicality, and I, we'll get to a bit more spoilers and a bit more like little details. That I noticed that were quite neat, yeah. but um, like she she also she also read a shitload of Gail Simone Birds of Prey. Oh uh, yeah, during yeah, during yeah. the filming, uh, Gail Simone tells a really lovely story on Twitter about she got invited to the set like for a couple of days and she she made it happen and like she was really excited and loving it. But the one thing that she because she said she got there a little apprehensive because she's like I know some of what they're doing in this movie, but like a lot of these characters are my babies that I looked after for a long time. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not thinking. But the one the one character she really wanted to see was Black Canary, and, and Journey just like wasn't there for the majority of her thinking. And then she found out later that Journey was there right later in the day, heard that Gail was there and was trying to find Gail because she wanted to give her a hug. Oh. So they, I think they finally met... Uh, it was uh, they, Check out Gail Simone's Twitter because she's got the full story, guys, but I think they finally met at a screening and she just gave her a massive hug and oh. she was like, thank you so much, this character's amazing. And she's like, thank you so much, you were amazing playing her. It's just a lovely moment. You just should have a look at Gail Simone's Twitter anyway because it's funny. Gail Simone is great. She's fucking wind-up merchant. I love it. Yes. <laughs> constantly winding people up. We're like... Super pedantic, mm. which a lot of comic book readers are. Yeah, and oh, she God, just yeah. fucking takes huge amounts of joy in it. Let, let's talk. Talk. let's talk about taking huge amounts of joy from winding people up. Um, uh, let's talk about a couple of cast members. Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane. Yeah, the young Cassie Kane. Uh, this is a great sort of street inclusion because it doesn't need to be Cassie Kane. No, like it doesn't need to be Cassie Kane. For those who don't know, Cassie Kane is she's now a Batgirl, but she was sort of. She was Batwoman. She's she was a Batgirl for a very short period, but then oh, she was, she ba- was... She's Batgirl. But um, they adapted her. Uh, I keep I keep thinking of her as, as having been a Batwoman, but that's because the first I knew of this character was when they did the the DCAU after the fact straight also, to the animated film called Mystery of the Batwoman, which was the Cassandra Kane version. Also, Kathy Kane or Katie Kane. 
Or K-E. Yes, that's one traditionally battle, but it's yeah. but that's Kane, K A N E. Yeah, Cassie Kane is K A I N. Cassie C A I N. Cassie's the one who's normally in the all black cowl with no facial features. Yeah, uh, she's and... also gone under the name Orphan. Yes. Uh, more recently in the post reverse stuff, uh, but she's like a, the son of an assassin. She's the son of an assassin. So, so, daughter of an assassin, <laughs> and she's for my son. Someone said, like trained to be a killer machine, but this one's just a. Foster kid who's got some mad pickpocket skills, yo. And it's like they don't need bags didn't, of attitude. They didn't need to make a Cassie Kane, but um, what do you call it? Uh, Ella's performance is that entertaining, and she's got so much fucking charm. Yeah, that it's like I'm glad you did because I would be happy if like five six years down the line they do another one or whatever. Um, oh look, here's Cassie Kane all grown up, superhero in the fuck out of everything. Sure, I want to see this performer return to this role at some point when she's older and is able. To, I like, wouldn't be surprised if we saw her as, a bit more. If we saw her as orphan at some point, yeah, I don't think we'll see her as Batgirl. No, well, they don't. They won't want to muddy the waters and confuse yeah. things. Um, but using the character, fair fucking play. As for another character that didn't have to be a comic book character, um, because it's just sort of generic henchman role into on paper, they decided to pick a Batman rogue and do something interesting with it because uh, Chris Messina plays Victor Zaz, who's oh. um, the secondary villain of this piece. <clears throat> he's a uh, bl- Black Mask, Hugh McGregor's uh, as Black Mask. It's his number, his right-hand man. Is, he's, uh, he's, he's Black Mask's Harley Quinn. <clears throat> yeah, basically. Yeah, like, he's there. He's there There's a lot of sexual tension between them. Yes, which is really um, enjoyable. You get the sense <clears> of... <throat> This is a Victor Zaz that's based a lot more on the early 90s interpretation, like right down to having the bleach blonde hair and yeah. sort of dark makeup around his eyes in a couple scenes. Um, he's got a few telltale scars on his face, but they look more like fresh battle scars. Yeah. There is, for those who saw him in the trailer and were like, oh, that's not Zaz, he's not covered in scars. There is a moment in the film where he unbuttons his shirt to describe his philosophy to someone, and yes, he is fucking covered in tallies and yeah. scars. He absolutely has them all. They're a bit higgledy-piggledy, and his most recent one... It looks like he's perfected the idea of making them neater. Yeah. Because his most recent one is a tally. And it's like, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, he he is He's Victor Zaz. He, he's enjoying what he's doing, but ultimately his mission is to look after Roman and set people free from this world. So it's like, yeah, it's Zaz. It's the Batman villain Zaz. You didn't have to do this. You chose to. It's great. We finally have a Zaz in a movie that is the comic book character and not just a dude with a tally tattoo on his neck in a Nolan film. Because um, Victor Zaz is in Batman Begins. Yeah. It's just like, what? Zaz? Is yeah. that Zaz? I think they referred to me that as Mr. Zaz, which is what he was called when he first showed up. He was referred to as Mr. Zaz. Yeah. Um, might, might be my favourite interpretation this character's not been adapted a lot no I like the Arkham version especially because they turn him into full on Hannibal Lectory levels in, in Arkham City yeah with the phone calls but this is a really fun interpretation and he's clearly having a ball he's, he's got a bit of Buffalo Bill about him in his delivery there's a bit of that kind mm. of drawler and just like he's, he's good he's good <clears throat> he's great um Rosie Perez is Renee Montoya. Oh, so good. I love Montoya. For those so who, good. For those who listen to the show often, you know we're big fans of Batman the Animated Series. That introduced the character of Renee Montoya, who then went on to become a prominent character of the comic. She's been an incarnation of the question. She's been a captain. She's been a detective. She's been uh, just a, you know, a boots-on-the-ground officer. She's usually partnered up in stories over the years. Uh, Batman stories with Detective Bullock. 
Uh, she crosses paths with Gordon a lot. In this, she is one of the senior detectives at the East Precinct of Gotham. Uh, so she's not, we're not, yeah, minor, minor spoilers, you're not seeing any Gordon, you're not seeing any Bullet guys. But she's been passed up by for promotion because other people have been, other men yeah. have taken the Feminist agenda! Uh, yep. Thing that happens <laughs> a lot in real life, so they're going to depict it. Fuck off. Yep, this fil- <laughs> surprising no one, this film has a feminist agenda. Of course it does. Uh, because of course it is important. Does. Feminism is about equality. Do you know what isn't equal? The film industry's depiction of females in yeah. leads, especially in action films. Do you know how we make it equal? We add more films with female leads in prominent roles in action films that are very pro-female lead. Oh, but that's all pro-female lead. That's not equality. No, but it will be eventually when there's an even playing yeah. field. So shut the fuck up. Oh, oh my God. God. Um, uh, Rosie Perez is great in this. She's mostly yep. known for being a comedic actress. Uh, yeah. She plays this straight face. Although, again, I'm so glad that they didn't, um, they didn't like make it subtle. They make a big thing of the fact that the DA's assistant is her in because they're exes. Yeah. So they're like, yes, we are going with the canonical story of Renee Montoya. More women, more gay people. Um, Ali Wong plays plays her ex girlfriend, (coughs) uh, Evan Yi. Yeah. Who's working with the DA? Who again? They never say who the DA is. It's a man. But it's a man. So it's like, oh. Although I doubt it, because if we're in this world, Batman's apparently been Batman for like twenty odd years, so I'm sure Two Face probably exists already. Oh, he's been. Oh, he's dead. Yeah, or he's dead. Uh, he did again. He did. He did. He did again. Um, but yeah, uh, Renee Montoya is great. Uh, also, they chose to go with, and I suppose like it's it's probably using the Batman timeline as reference, really, mm. in the DCU. But they chose to go with the Mont- Montoya, who is older. Yeah. Um. Rosie Perez in real life years in real life in the film I guess as well she's fifty five so this is a fifty five year old uh, lead in an ensemble superhero movie in an action film in an action film who holds her fucking own because she's a cop who's been on the beat for a million years and is frustrated and pissed off that she's been passed on so much that that is what sort of fuels her when it comes to the action sequences like you can tell that she has got this contained rage. That she lets out when she actually gets to punch something. Uh, yes. Perez plays this so well. Hey Matt. Yeah. Who does Mary Elizabeth Winstead play in this movie? <laughs> Helena Bertinelli slash Huntress slash the crossbow killer. I'm not the crossbow killer. This looks like a fucking crossbow <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead is sort of the she's the one who gets the least screen time out of out of our central she's so five good. She's so but she uses it so well and she's second build as well yeah well, Probably, I, she's she, like one of the biggest names yeah in, in, the, the, in the end credits she's second build she's one of the bigger names absolutely but <clears> it's, it's the film it almost feels like it underutilizes her but she does so much with what she's got <laughs> Oh my god! It's just—it's a really—it's neat, and then it's sort of a deconstruction and a celebration of that sort of nineties anti-hero yes. idea in the same thing. Like it—it it takes the piss out. Don't of... know is a vigilante who uh, executes criminals using a crossbow. Yeah, uh, and rides a motorcycle and is very stoic and like this is my mission. This is my yeah. thing. She doesn't talk much and, and all this. A lot that, of that very nineties kind yeah. of like the vigilante. Well, a lot of her nineties stuff is in is her in like stupid revealing outfits. Like fucking purple with long capes. But this is just like got 
They sort they sort of Mary they sort of hint at leather. those they hint at those outfits by like she's in motorcycle leathers but she'll have, like, she loves like she has like a belly top yeah, uh, yeah. made out of a motorcycle thing and they don't they don't overboard they don't overboard it but they they nod to it a little yeah and then toward the end of the movie we get a look at an alternate costume that's a lot more like yes that's that's like, a, that's a good one if we, if if we see more of you that is a cool fucking costume with um, a big obvious like white and purple decor reference yeah. to like her new fifty two look and everything and it's like that's awesome. Um, She's great. She leads to some of the most interesting <laughs> action in the film as well. Very interesting action and very, very funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> again, just even even the most serious characters in this film have real moments of levity, um, but without being gratuitous. Like this is a funny ass film. Oh god, yeah. Which you'd expect from something that's got Harley Quinn in it as a central character. It is very funny. More on her and someone else um, in a minute. But it's but, also um... it, it's it can be funny and brutal. At the same time. Oh yeah. Well, it, um, we, there there are some moments of incredibly shocking violence that just literally had us laughing out loud. Oh god. Yeah. Well, uh, J- Journey, Again, which we'll get to in spoilers. Journey Smollett Bell as as Diana Lance, yeah, Black Canary, yeah. The first time we see her in action, oh, there's a moment in that where a gentleman's head goes through a plate of glass in a door <laughs> in a van on a van <laughs> that had me screaming laughing. I was just so like. Oh my god! And then the final sort of blow of that scene is something where you go, Jesus H. Yeah, Christ! Yeah. Oh my god! Um, she's excellent. It's it's a version of the Black Canary character. They sort of imply that uh, she's not the first Black Canary. No, because they talk about uh, yeah, yeah. So they're going down that route, which is nice. Um, the film downplays superheroics quite a lot, but always insists that. They're on the fringes. Like this is not a story of superheroes, um, but that's but, that but stuff exists. It is but a we're world not where focus on it, but Batman explicitly exists. But but more so like the supernaturally and 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 um, sci-fi elements of it all. Yeah, they're mentioned, but it's under the surface. Yeah, this is a sequel which, to Suicide Squad. Yeah, like that shit happened. Where where like a <clears throat> a, a god tried to end the world, yeah. and and we've had. Uh, aliens that fire lasers beating each other up in the city across the har- the harbour and like th- these things happened like Shazam these things happened but they're not important to this story no however in this one it does feel like they're sort of bubbling under the surface in relation especially to Dinah Lance yeah and it feels like that was intentional the idea of forget about that forget about that stuff forget about that oh fuck it, it is. fine because uh, those who know Black Canary will know Black Canary is a JLA member and various other things and, and has a very, very significant talent which this character does not utilise uh, until later in the film. Which is, yes. is a nice thing because I was, I don't know about you, but I was watching the whole film going like, oh my god, come on, please, come on. Yeah. Please. They hinted at it, they hinted at it just then, come on, please, come on, please. And then it was really satisfying when it yeah. happened. Um, it was nice. She's great. She gets to... She gets to play a lot of the. Uh, she she gives she grounds the film a lot because our, very... our lead character is an unreliable narrator. Yeah, who gets her actual emotional moments, but Diana's the one character where we really see everything for how horrific it is, how yeah. scary it is, how dangerous it is through her eyes. She can handle herself, but she's not blasé about the severity of the the the. the yeah, she's very she's very tough and very resilient, but also emotionally quite vulnerable. Yeah. But not in a way that makes her weak. Yeah, which is really interesting. I think it's a really, I think it's a really nice character. Like she has, um, she has some talking to do to herself. Yeah, and she has some 
some holdups that she needs to purge that only she has has put there. But ultimately, she's fucking awesome. She to me, aside from the two characters we're about to talk about, to me she was the breakout in this. Yeah, I was really bowled over by how cool she was. Just like how well she played the part, how fucking badass the action choreography, especially around Black Canary, was. Because again, a lot of kicking. Um, <laughs> it was just cool. It was just really, really cool. I'm, I'm so happy to see Black Canary on film. Yeah, and, and here yeah. we are. It's really good. Give us a green arrow. She's let's really see, good. Let's see how that chemistry works. Because hmm. I want to see her play off somebody who thinks they have a sense of who she is. Because I think she would play the whole like, yeah, you got a fucking idea, yeah. really well. Um, let us talk about our, our sort of, <laughs> our yin and yang to the movie. Let's talk oh. about our villain first, Roman Sionis. Oh, Batman, Batman villain Roman Sionis played with a plum. Oh, he's having so much fun. He's having a whale of a time. He's having such a good time. And to make to make a villain who is equal equal measures ridiculous and sinister. Like he's kind of pathetic, and then he's also kind of terrifying. He's pathetic until you realise that the gun he's holding is loaded. Yeah, it is that kind of like yeah. oh. Oh no, hang on. Yeah, no, he's pathetic, but if I say the wrong thing right now, I could die. Like, it's that kind of... It, how, do, how to describe him? It, it, it feels like they've married the characters of the Joker and the Penguin in terms of his yeah, see that. persona a little bit. And Which I, I think he's actually that, a good recipe for Black Mask. I think that it... True, because Black Mask, Black Mask is great when he's petty. Yeah. Like, when the character is petty, that's great. I mean... Arkham Origins doesn't use him properly and spoiler for a video game from like seven years ago. A not very good um, video game from seven years ago. No. Uh, great story. Watch the cinematics. There you go. That's that's the best you're gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but Black Mask isn't Black Mask in that game. Turns out Roman Sionis has been a kidnapped victim to someone pre- pretending to be him for the majority of that story. But even there, the the persona of the of the Black Mask is seen to be like, oh, this Batman's going to get up in my thing. I don't like that. Everyone's drawing attention <laughs> away from me. Right, I'm going to hire a bunch of assassins. It's like, okay. Like, that's his thing. Um, right. But remember, there were rumours that this film's uh, shooting, the initial shooting got delayed briefly because they had to do rewrites on the script. And this was before McGregor was cast. Okay. And it was all to do with rumours that the Penguin was originally the villain of this movie. Uh... And Matt Reeves went, um, Actually, can I have Actually, the, penguin? Can I have the penguin? Even though the Batman and and this exist in separate continuities and universes, which is going to get super compu- super complicated wouldn't, eventually, I think. Well, that like, would make sense. With, but, but with they don't him, they don't yeah. want to have those warring versions. And also, in an earlier draft of this, I imagine the Joker was a featured player. Yeah, I would imagine so. So, I think they I think they half and ha- they halfway housed it, and they went right. We need a character who can run on the Gotham crime family. He's got a... I mean, he's got a club. He's got a club. Yeah. That's the penguin. Yeah. He's got a club. Uh, He's incredibly wealthy. He gives no shits about human life, but he doesn't like to get his hands dirty. He'd rather facilitate stuff. The reason he gets away with things is because he makes them happen. He doesn't get in there himself. Penguin. It's all penguin. Um, but also he's flamboyant. He's got to be scary enough that Harley Quinn's frightened of him and that our heroes are frightened of him. He's got to be like one of Gotham's top Joker. Okay. Well, let's make somebody who like is on par with the Joker and we'll make sure that's established by insisting that they're both, they've both been heads of like crime syndicates and they're sort of like they stay away from each other because they just know it's going to be bloody if they even get involved with each other. Yeah. 
So they like okay, so we don't have to be the Joker, but he's got to be someone who can go toe to toe with the Joker in terms of like their gangs. Well, then we'll just make it that he's been recruiting every gang. He's been yeah. getting people from everywhere, so he's the biggest. So even the Joker is not going to just step in unless obviously he's like, "Fuck it, this will be a laugh." Like, okay, great, but he's also got to have that influence, but not want to get his hands dirty too much, like Penguin. Uh, but then he's just penguin. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that he does sometimes get his hands dirty. But he doesn't literally because we'll make him a germaphobe. And when he does go to the scene of these things, he wears a mask. Black mask. Fuck it. Hey. It's black mask. It's, you know, it just feels like they've, they've, they've whittled down who they could fit into that part. Then they've yeah. gone, right, black mask. And and McGregor, I think last night you said he, he doesn't, he doesn't devour the scenery so much as just fucking tuck in. Yeah. Like, he just goes, he hogs it. Just, he, he, it's, he's, a be- it's a beautiful looking film. The film's a trough. It looks, and he it looks so good because you and McGregor has chewed all the scenery. Yeah. Like, that's... As he chew- he's chewed it all up and then flamboyantly vomited it back out everywhere. <laughs> and his, his vomit is beautiful neon sets and fun houses and clubs and... He's he's clearly having a ball. Um, He's great in this. He, he feels, like you said, he feels like a force to be reckoned with, but... Not because he's OP. No. It, it's, it's this, he is a pathetic individual who just needs the one person to get in a room with him. Yeah, he's needy and whiny and, and narcissistic. Him or humiliate him and, yeah. and that'd be enough. But he never lets people get close enough because he's got too many people around him. His right hand man is a serial killer who thinks it's his job on earth to kill people and help them escape from life. Yeah. And um, he, he's obviously got like a god complex. He's got an inferiority complex in relation to everyone thinking his father's the reason why he's successful. Yeah. Um, so he's... Oh, God, he's having so much fun. McGregor's great in this. McGregor is great in this. And I'm going to say it. One of the best portrayals of a Batman villain on screen. Yeah. <laughs> he's right. really, really good. All right. Um, speaking of Batman villains being portrayed on screen... Do you know why this movie's so good, Matt? Do you know why? Because um, Margot Robbie is a hashtag girl boss. Yep, she's literally the star. She's got a story credit. And she's one of the producers of the movie. Why? Because she obviously played her in Suicide Squad and went, I love this character. That film wasn't great. Can we make sure the next time we do something with this character that Warner Brothers will definitely make things with because they can sell t-shirts and Hot Topic like yeah. accessories and, and, and cinema tickets... Can we do it? But can I be in charge this time? Because I want to make sure that it's a good fucking film. And then she obviously went away somewhere and read a shitload of the New 52 Harley Quinn comic book. Because this is... Again, you you summed it up last night. You said it felt like Deadpool but Harley Quinn. Yeah. And that's the New 52 Harley Quinn book. It's Deadpool but Harley Quinn. Tonally and structure-wise, the film is very Deadpool. She's an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar to the first Deadpool in that it's... um, the, the narration is broken up. The timeline of the story being told to us is broken up. Yeah. Uh, it's very tarantino in that way. Like, it's it's sort of... It's a jigsaw puzzle. You could probably edit it if you wanted and put it in a linear way. It wouldn't be anywhere near as interesting because you'd have to drop a load of the Harley narration. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun. She's our unreliable narrator. Uh, she fucks around with the way the story's told. She openly tells us who she thinks is a shithead and who she thinks is great and all this, that and the other. When it's not relevant, but she still just does it. Um, she has inner monologues that we hear. She has inner monologues that we don't hear. She has conversations with stuffed beavers that we can't hear. Which made me happy because I fucking love that beaver from the comics and she, there it was in a film. She will switch in mid-conversation from talking to someone on screen to talking to the audience. Oh, fuck, there's this beautiful shot. Uh, she's talking to Cassandra Kane in the front of a car. 
And she realises the situation's not going the way she thought. And just before it snap cuts to the next scene, she just, just looks down the barrel of the camera like, ah. <laughs> and, it's just, and it's such a quick, like, oh! Oh! It's, yeah. it's oh. She, she is amazing in this. Um, it's a Harley Quinn movie. Uh, I, I It is. Which is why, it's a why I kind of that, understand the title change in the States. It, yeah. it kind of makes sense, actually. It's, it's a Harley Quinn movie that is setting up Birds of Prey. Yeah. Uh, by yeah. the end of the film, like it's it's tied off in a neat bow. By the end of the movie, there's, it's not left as a but. There's more to do. It's a this is what Birds of Prey is. This is what it is. Yeah, and it's, it exists. It's a the adventure continues, Northerner to be continued. Yeah, yeah, and that's awesome because it means that if this doesn't go anywhere, fine, it exists perfectly on its own. Yeah, is there an after credits? Yeah, but it's got nothing to do with continuity at all. Um. It's, it's not setting anything up. It's not teasing anything. So this film has, narratively, this yeah. film has nothing to lose in terms of how it's perceived going forward. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more of these characters. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll definitely see more Harley Quinn because she's in The Suicide Squad. Yes. Um, and based on those set pictures that have just come out, it looks like she's either getting involved with the story or is being forced back into the yeah. story. Because it looks like she's doing well for herself yeah. uh, to one side and like not involved in any of this bullshit at all. Oh wait, I guess she is now. Well, let's Which let's talk nice. about spoilers so we can talk about where she ends up at the end of this movie. Yes. Um, oh so my god. At I... this point on major spoilers for Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Dimension Passion of One Harley Quinn. Um, are, we, are we covering emails this week or should we put them back to We've next got week? a good email. Which we oh. should cover. It won't take long. Okay, fair enough. In that case, if you want to hear your email but you don't want to hear spoilers, just zip along toward the end. You can figure it out. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're a good boy and girl. So. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So the movie ends with Harley. Um, <laughs> she gets the, the whole the whole fucking thing that everyone's chasing is the Bertinelli diamond. Yes, because they go, they go for the Bertinelli incarnation yeah. of Huntress. Which, which, which makes sense. Sionis, how the fuck are you going to explain? Well, she's the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Um, oh, yeah, she's not. She's, which. Sionis wipes out the Bertinelli clan, apparently, with the, well, he, with the he, lone... He thinks he, he thinks he's wiped them out. Well, he, but, fu- he funds it, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, it's the... Um, I can't remember what the crime was. Sell something. I'm trying to remember his name. Vittori? I can't remember. I think it's something like that. But, but um, another crime family kills uh, the, the Bertinellis, and we learn later that that crime family was being... Uh, like tipped off and funded or whatnot yeah. by the Sionis crime family. It doesn't outright say if it was McGregor's or his dad's, well, but, no, because, but McGregor's the one who's obviously trying to take advantage of it. Because his dad owns the Janus Corporation, <clears throat> oh, they don't, it, yeah. but they don't actually state that's whether it. his dad's criminal or not. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, he looks the other way. I yeah. It was implied in, in some stuff. Um, um, but so... Uh, the Bertinelli's are wiped out with the exception of Helena... Um, because they're after the Bertinelli Diamond, which, which is the richest mob family in Gotham. They and in inside, not only is the diamond a fucking stunner anyway, but it's also got encoded on it. It's got all the bank account information. Yeah. So Sionis is looking for that, so he can get his hands on the cash. Cassie pickpockets it, offers. She ends up in police custody. Harley finds her. That's how everyone comes together. Everyone comes together because of Cassie and this diamond. This diamond is the thing that everyone's going after. It's the uh, the Maltese Falcon. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's the Pink Panther. Um, uh, so, uh, at the end of the movie, it ends up with 
<laughs> Harley gets a diamond. She gives the bank account information to Helena, Huntress, so she can get all her money and fund the Birds of Prey, which is Huntress, Black Canary, Montoya. And then she fucks up. She sells the diamond. Yeah. <laughs> which makes some decent cash on the side. And, like Enough for her to be comfortable. Yeah. And then and then fucks off with Cassie as uh, so Harley, Quinn and, Harley Quinn and co. Badass motherfuckers. Yes! Which is... Yes! Yes, 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 yes. Which is wonderful. So, yeah, that's where we'll be finding her at the start of the Suicide Squad, presumably, is whatever situation that is. Well, based on but, those um, photos, it looks like she's definitely living well. She's yes. like a fucking red ball yes. gown kind of thing. Um, she's got... She's got blonde, she's still blonde, but she's got the, a big bunch... Big bunch ponytail... Uh, pigtails are now red and black, like the New yeah. 52. And they've grown back. Yes. Because she yeah. cuts them off at the start of this. She film. cuts them off at the start of this and then immediately regrets it. That's oh, crying. Like it is... The breakup montage in this is wonderful. Yeah. Because you feel so bad for it. But it's part of the appeal of the Harley Quinn character is like you, she's a villain and she should absolutely do time for the crime she's committed. But you also are like, get out of there. Yeah. Like she and the Joker can be, based, again, based on who's writing it and what the pro- project is. You can have a lot of fun with them being like a, a you know evil clown. Do you well, like at the start of the movie that she mentions that they met in a toxic environment. Literally, <laughs> and it's yeah. literally a toxic environment <laughs> because it's fucking Ace Chemicals. But it's that, um, whole thing, it's that whole thing of like you can have fun with them as like you can absolutely enjoy them as as a supervillain and sidekick. Yeah, you can have a lot of fun with that. But when you start diving deeper into their story, it's the story of an it's abusive, an heavily abusive relationship. And it's really horrible. Which this film, I mean, this film is all about abusive relationships. Oh yeah, oh god, um, yeah. Of both romantic, platonic, like, platonic employee, uh, uh, employee, employee, yeah, employee, employee, the whole stuff with everything. Yeah, and, yeah it's... Every, er, nearly every relationship in this film is toxic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> apart like, from the one that's that are forged by the five titular birds of prey. I was gonna say, like, I think Huntress is the only exception in a way because hers is a revenge story. But even then, it's like the, the the sad thing about her is that's all her life has yeah, ever that's been. The, that's and the then only when thing she's she once she's again spoiler 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 spoilers once she's killed Zaz, she's like, well, I've done it now. I've killed everyone that killed my family. Yeah, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm just gonna go. Um, like, yeah, and then it's the whole thing where she doesn't love. know what to do. So yeah. it's like it's that realization of oh, my whole life has been a fucking toxic situation. Yeah, and I I didn't realize Can until I... now that everything's done. I'm like, what am I? Can I just point out? How great the her practicing her um, menacing patter in the mirror in her pajamas was. Yes, it's so fucking good. And no one calls her the huntress. They call me the crossbow killer. They, <laughs> they call me. It's like fucking great. Again, she gets very little screen time and very little dialogue, but what she does with it is incredible. It's brilliant. Um. And and that's, I mean, all of the cast really, and and to see that trio return, yes, but yeah. like she, she in particular, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I'd like to see a sequel to this in some way, just so we could see more of her as Huntress and get to see what she'd do with a full movie instead of like a. And a also just part. to see where that character goes after this. Yeah. Did you notice that the ending was sort of, it almost felt like a the, the way it ended almost felt like a nod to the terrible TV series adaptation in a way. Because it was like, here are our birds of prey and they're doing vigilante shit on the sly. And here's Harley Quinn. She's a businesswoman now. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> in that horrible TV series, Harley yeah, Quinn yeah. is for some reason like the head of a fucking... Some weird fucking like, uh, pharmaceutical company Pharmaceutical company It's think. like, what is this? Why? Yeah. Why is this her character? Fucking nonsense, mate. Um, nonsense! <laughs> 
Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. <clears throat> I've just read that Jared Leto, Jared Leto was not omitted from the film on purpose. It is because the majority of the filming did clash with Morbius and they couldn't make it work. Oh, sure. We didn't purposefully so they, omit... No, but that makes me fucking wonder, well-known scumbag Jared Leto. We that, just couldn't that fit makes, him in. That makes me wonder uh, what his role was in what would have been a, a, at least one draft of the script. Maybe, I maybe imagine, I think probably extended flashbacks. Like I imagine filmed, the like, most he would have got was was eight some new flashbacks, or he would have you would have seen him at the bit where she gets kicked out of the house near the start. Because there was a body double for that. We saw leaked photos about a year and a half ago. For yeah, that with him one. throwing stuff out of the out the window. The and in this, in this, it was just a brief thingy where she's like banging on the window and and, and yeah, shouting. you see her looking in the window from the inside. You don't see yeah. what she sees. Um. And yeah, and there's there's an implication as well that the Joker's laying low. Yeah. Because you see that he's in like a nice fucking house out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, which is why he's not involved in the story, I guess. Like he's just not in Gotham. He's not here. He's he's out of town. Um, but he's still that much of a threat that early on when she's just dicking around in Sinus's club and being an arsehole. and like joining a fucking uh, hockey. Uh, Roll, uh, roller derby, derby. Yeah. Uh, team again. New Fifty Two, great. A few of the characters were nodded out with the looks of the uh, the supporting she's members. Beating the, the shit out of people in roller derby. Like she's doing all this stuff, and no one's gonna touch her because they're like, "Yeah, that's the Joker's girlfriend." Like, don't you dare fucking touch her, seriously. And I think that's why she and Dinah their first scene together in that in the, the in film flashback about halfway through was really nice because Dinah's the only person who kind of has the stones to back talk her a bit. Yeah, and you can see that Harley's refreshed by that. Because obviously no one ever dares do it. So like when she insults her, she like insults her makeup, she's like, ouch. And then she laughs and it's like, oh, okay. Like no one really talks to her, do they? Like even the people who are having drinks with her and stuff don't joke around with her just in case they mm. say the wrong thing. So the fact that like their, their relationship felt very organic. It wasn't just like how she rescues her from uh, the fucking pervs who were trying to presumably traffic her. Or, or, um, because she's not got, a, she's not got a number on a, a number on her head at this point, has she? She's not, she's not got. No, a got a, on her head no, no. I think they're just scumbags who want to rape slash trafficker. Yeah, or maybe like they're, they're basically they're taking advantage of a drunken state because they mentioned like it's the Joker's girlfriend. It's like what the no, fuck. No. So you can tell that they're like right. They're either going to perform some horrible depraved sexual act on her, or they're like right. We're going to keep a ho- well, we're, we're going to hold a hostage. More, or... more because they know that she's not because they heard her talking to. That, the yeah, guy because the guy yeah. heard her talking to D- uh, Dina mm. and then slipped a drug to drink. Yeah, fucking gross. Um, fucking so. gross. Um, but at the same time, what a fucking validating moment because like all the scumbags around the world who try that like all the time. <laughs> Imagine if Black Canary could just rock up and kick the fuck out of their faces repeatedly mm. into the back of a van. That was incredible. Hell of a fight scene. Love it. I really like the invented inventiveness of the various fight scenes. Oh, like, the fight scene and the, the evidence lockup. The evidence lockup was I'm, great. I'm sad about Chekhov's bear. The, 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 they when didn't you first use the see bear. It, there's a big stuffed bear. If a bear, bear is seen in the first act, it must be fired by the. Th- no, that's <laughs> well, not right. It, it just seemed like the right kind of prop to utilize in, in a Harley Quinn fight in some way, but it's not used. Oh, at she any did point set fire to someone's beard. That was pretty. That funny was word. great. That was fucking great. And the way she, um, the way they choreographed all the stuff with the bat. Oh, it was great. It was really, really clever. Part of me was surprised <clears> that they didn't because it's an evidence locker. Part of me was surprised that it wasn't it didn't it wasn't her bat from Suicide Squad. But then that bat makes an appearance later in yeah. the film, so it's like fair enough, whatever. Um but I like the fact that the moment she's looking at like a chainsaw and a, and a sword, and she just goes, 
Oh, and grabs a baseball bat and then lays waste to a bunch of heavily armed thugs. It's great that um, she's. That the she's... fact that she uses cocaine. Yeah. At one point, like, she hides behind fucking cocaine packets that get shot up in the fight. She just inhales a little bit and goes, All right! And just goes to town on these three guys armed with, like, really heavy artillery. Because she obviously. It's just that extra little kick of, Ah, fuck it! <laughs> Let's see what happens. I love the, the uh, thing I love about. So, the thing I love about this is how all. <laughs> All of the birds of prey have different fighting styles that we've, we've kind of yes, touched on. Yeah. And Harley is very acrobatic. Yeah. But she yeah. also uses almost exclusively bludgeon weapons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, they're, they're a raid on the police station. She doesn't fire a single lethal shot. No, it's all... She doesn't uh, kill anyone. It's a grenade like, launcher, she doesn't have all, to kill someone, yeah. she won't. It's all, it's all like beanbag rounds or paint rounds or yeah. glitter rounds. And you've just got this... You know, this assault on the police station, which is just dudes getting shot and clouds of glitter and big plumes of paint exploding everywhere. And it's colourful that, that and ridiculous. Final, that, that final shot before the flashback then kicks in is fucking gorgeous. The one where it's the guy left on his own. He's like, what the fuck? She's just like, run, little piggy. <laughs> and just shoots him in the lower back with a glitter bomb. <laughs> just that slow motion cascade. It was yeah. It, it, it uses slow motion really. Was that shot, that, that shot of the two gases, the two paint, the paint, yeah. uh, paint clouds of the the red, the, the pink, and the blue, and, and she just, just walks, walks through, through it, it, and it's like, really, oh, this is great. Yeah, and and, and they're they're matching the opposite sides of her pigtails. Yeah, it's just the color of it all. It's, it's like, really smart great. use of of, uh, of of slow motion frame. Like that sequence just has some really really beautiful shots. Yeah, and sort of tableaus that a lot of sweeping yeah like sweeping shots and sweeping of legs and guns like knocking people over with the fucking confetti yeah. cannon <clears throat> oh um the costume she's in like which is obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of in Harley's style there's a lot of uh looks that are suggesting sort of the, the golden age of Hollywood yes but yeah, yeah. that costume specifically the whole like I'm here to report a terrible crime <laughs> and she's just like she's just hamming it to fuck and the guy's just not interested you can tell she's just like Oh, whatever. This is for me. Uh, I noticed, I looked online last night, I was just having a look around stuff. Uh, the costume she's wearing is the exact same disguise that Harley wears when she assaults, I think it's a police station, in an issue of Injustice Gods Among Us. Oh, brilliant. So even that is a reference to a comic book from recent years. It's like, brilliant. God damn it, that is great. Well done, team. Um, um, the, oh, the Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend bit. Yeah. Like, there's a few There's a few bits in this film that reinforced you that, yes, we're getting to know Harley, Yes, she is a human being, but she is also, like, supervillain-level clinically insane. She has a mind like a bag of broken glass. They're, pro- like, they're is... proving that she is incredibly... She's intelligent, she ain't smart. Like, no. She, she is intelligent as fuck, she ain't smart. She, reference, she reinforces and references constantly that she has a PhD in psychology. Well, she, she, she psychoanalyzes every character. Yes, in a way where you're like, oh shit! Th- these guys remember that in a way that David Ayer and his yeah. lot completely fucking forgot about yeah. when they wrote Suicide Squad. A film which literally shows her as a psychiatrist in the asylum. Um, so th- th- that's all there. But at, the s- <laughs> but at the same time, they really reinforce that, yeah, no, this is this is a Batman supervillain. She is delusional. She hallucinates. She's having her own conversations with a stuffed beaver. She has bought a hyena... Because why not? <laughs> I, remember, I remember being weirdly thinking about that the week. Like, oh, it's just constant references. But it's like, 
Uh, but I think it's just because Miffed it wasn't Bud or Lou. Yeah. Then I saw the film and I was like, oh yeah, she buys her lone hyena. She's not taking it in the divorce. No, no. Like, it's a hyena of her own. Fine, sure, it's whatever. It's Bruce now. Uh, my, my, my love of Bud and Lou is, is unaffected and indeed complimented by the fact that she just gets another hyena. Yeah. <laughs> and calls it Bruce. And then after uh, being sexually propositioned by the owner of the black market pet store... <laughs> Feeds the him hyena. to the hyena. Feeds him to the hyena, which is fucking great. Um, <coughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but like, yeah, she she uh, sort of dreams different thingies, and in one point, she just after being beaten around the head in the club, knowing that she's going to go after the diamond, it's the only thing that's going to save her life. It's a recreation of that scene from Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Yeah, albeit with more violent choreography and a very and all the men up. around her wearing uh, gimp masks. Yeah. Because why not? Zaz, who just looks happy as Larry yeah. doing like fucking plies in the corner. Who, who, who in reality is preparing to peel her face off. Yes. Oh, um, God. oh. Again, like Black Mask has had a fascination with masks. In, yeah. In different, again, different writers, different eras. He's always liked masks, and that's why he wears the black mask. It's like that's mine. I'm gonna wear that one. And in this, there's a hint of it. There are masks in his in his um like penthouse. Which he enjoys um, showing off in the, in a super like white dude, white boy went to Africa way and brought oh, back some souvenirs. Oh my god! Oh, the, the shrunken heads. Like look at yeah. the little face in his hair. It's disgusting. Ew. It's like he died. He's a thousand years old. Like died, and he's just an ornament in my fucking hallway. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Just like what? But like, so they they hint that he has a thing with masks. Like when all the different people from different gangs show up to help him in the final act, they're all like yeah. handed masks, and it's this mix of tribal stuff, luchador stuff. Like there's a what we were saying before, like the coloring of one of them is a hint yeah, of bane, which Bain-ish. is nice. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And there's a couple that are a bit more black masky and everything. And it's like that's great. Um, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> they they sort of hint that that goes further by having Zaz cutting people's faces off for him as a message um, why not I, I also saw that as again it was it's definitely a new 52 nod oh like, yeah especially yeah, yeah. when you see the face it's like that looks like the Joker's dismembered face yeah. from the new 52 that's horrific yeah that is absolutely fucking horrific um uh so yeah I just oh god that stuff was great that stuff was so good um we're talking about again about the different fighting styles and, and character through um through physicality going back to Montoya. Yes. The fact that she is quite small, but she's Yeah, Rosie Perez is like four foot nine or but something. She's, like she's a, tiny. She's got a boxer stance <laughs> and she fights like a boxer. And like she, she's tiny except for one part of her anatomy, which Harley references at least twice. Oh yeah, yeah. Like she, <laughs> she, she ends protect up, the girls. She ends up wearing one of Harley's bulletproof corsets under a shirt new 52 costume yeah. keep um, going we've got the roller skates we've got which, the corset which saves a life in yeah. the end but yeah when, when they're all fashion up, can be functional when they're all tooling up from Harley's weapon star she has a knuckle duster yes with fucking fluff on it with pink yeah. fluff but it's just like oh, it's those moments like what's, what's Montoya going to go for well she's already got a service revolver then she's going to pick up a knuckle duster and yeah. that's it she's and then done. she's got she's got the what the the sticks. That oh, the, the, uh, the riot sticks. sticks. She's right, got one of them as well because yeah. she uses that in that fight. She's taking kneecaps police. Out. It's police stuff. Yeah. She's a she's a, she's a police and she's a brawler. She's a brawler. Um, and again, it's it's that pent-up frustration of the job that's fucked her over when yeah. she's just been trying to do the right well, thing. Well, when she goes one-on-one one with Harley, she, like Harley's all fucking acrobatics and legs mm. and, and Montoya just goes straight into fucking boxer guard. 
oh the bit with the the bit with like the the the, the sideshow yeah like, yeah punching bags and they're just you can tell that by the end of this brief spat like all four of them are going to be knocked down by one of their heads yeah it's just like Harley it's Montoya really, <laughs> it's great. really good it's really um, good it, it, again the yeah the, the action sells and well, that whole sequence of the funhouses it completely sells that these characters can take take on yeah. they, they couldn't do it alone but they could take on a room full of armed and fucking stacked and muscle bound thugs who are out to kill them yeah especially when they work together which is the whole point like these are people who've been cast out in various ways or shunned or ignored fucked over there's no shame in looking for help and working with other people no to build yourself back up that's the whole point of it and by the end Harley, Harley's the bad guy and she's loopy and ultimately she she doesn't get the message in its entirety. Like, she understands, but by the end she's like, no, nah, I'm going to fuck up on my own anyway. Yeah. Bye, everybody. She brought them together. She brought them together. And again, like at the end when it's like Montoya quits a job on the day that the other guy gets a fucking commendation, I was like, yep. oh my, in my head I was like, how's she going to, how's she going to carry it? And then they like, oh yeah, so, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, she get so she takes the diamond, takes the diamond, gets then, the info from it, but then she gives them the info, gives them the info from because uh, because Cassie swallows the diamond, so they have to wait for it to shit out, <laughs> which is why the kid's yeah, got a stomach of steel. <laughs> uh, she doesn't shit it out <laughs> to the very end. Um, so when she's going to the toilet, they're all like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring the colander," <laughs> which I thought was a great line. Yeah, have, have fun with that, <laughs> um, and then. Um, but yeah, so presumably what happens is she gets the info from the diamond, gives that to Huntress, then she keeps and the then diamond Hunt- and sells it. And then Huntress, uh, Black Canary, and Montoya essentially have access to untold fucking riches. Like, the Bertinelli yeah. fortune is implied to be the biggest hidden fortune in Gotham's history. Enough, enough, for... enough that Black Mask was like, I'll take that so I can fund things forever and have unlimited resources to pay off whoever I need from now until eternity. So it's like... Well, it's enough for a cool the... high-tech domino mask for Huntress well, that's and a sweet it, leather this jacket fortune is now owned by just these three people. Yeah. And I was... And as weird as it sounds, I was like, yes. That's like, they're looked after, right they're gonna be alright, they have got Batman money, and they are being Batman. <laughs> they're doing vigilante shit. This is awesome. Montoya gets to finally... She... Montoya never wanted the recognition, she just wanted to not be... Uh, she just wanted to do the job. She wanted to do the job, and and like yes, yeah, she would have wanted. She, she would have liked to have been promoted, but it's because she wanted to keep doing the work yeah. and have more influence. And instead, she was just being put on petty beats and having to follow her own leads. And then those leads being given being ignored. Now she gets to fucking enact vigilante justice <laughs> on her own terms alongside the crossbow killer. It's not the crossbow killer. The huntress. Bow and arrow. Is that a bow and arrow? Do I look fucking twelve? <laughs> Which was nice because oh, she's so angry. Briefly, Canary. There's a brief Canary reaction shot after she says that. I'm like, all right, come on. It's like, ha ha, you and Green Arrow are a thing in most media. Um, so you know, that was kind of nice. When she, when that guy slides down the, the fucking slide after her, and she jumps, she jumps up. So he goes under her, then comes out, and then she just slides out. She's got one of her arrows, and she's yeah. just stabbing him in the she chest. She gets to the bottom of the slide. She just fucking stabbing him. It's like it's a oh, brutal God, film. Harley stabbing Zaz's corpse. Yeah, with the, with the tranquilizer. It's <laughs> just hitting him like nobody that. move. Everyone freezes. She's just like stab, stab, <laughs> stab. Him. Um, can we talk about Black Mask? Black Mask's death. Oh, 
<laughs> I'm still laughing just thinking about so it. This, this film is... I, this is probably the first Batman-related movie that really takes advantage of notable locations in Gotham. Yeah. Amusement Mile. The, the, a lot of the climactic fight scene is set on, you know, on Amusement Mile. And then moves to Founders Pier. Yeah. Fucking Founders Pier. Complete with the two statues at the entrance, and I'm sure this will come out in like a you know a book of the film or coffee table book about the design. The two statues at the entrance, I guarantee one of them is uh, Thingamy Wayne, the earliest Wayne. Jeremiah Wayne? Uh, no, it's Arkham. Uh, he, uh, guaranteed there'll be a Jeremiah Arkham statue somewhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, an Amadeus um, Arkham. There'll be an Amadeus Arkham statue somewhere amongst that stuff, I yeah. guarantee. Or a, or a Lady Arkham uh, one. But the other statue was a slightly portly man in a large top hat and the earliest Cobblepot has always been depicted as that as well so it's like I fucking bet that that's a Cobblepot and a Wayne at the side of the entrance it has to be it's just too it's too easy an easter egg to do this is a fucking this is probably (laughs) this is the most Batman-y Batman film we've had in a long time it's like Batman Forever levels of neon madness but with violence yeah And and a good script and a great script and and we can sanction its buffoonery. Oh, boy. Yeah. Especially when uh, Black Mask gets blown in half by a grenade as he's falling off the pit. In such, like, brutal, out-of-nowhere fashion. It, I, t- I took your ring. Wait, what? Yeah. It's the fact that she does it. She, Cassandra lifts up the fucking pin of the grenade. Harley immediately understands what she needs yeah. to do. And Black Mask immediately reaction is, the fuck? Because he obviously thinks this kid's got a grenade. Yeah. So he just backs up slightly. Harley punts him off the pier. And before he's halfway to the water, he fucking explodes into like a, like a cascade of limbs. Yeah. He's just, just like, like, oh my God. Splashing. And it's, it just, it's so, it's one of those things like sometimes in movies where you get action that is so brutal. Yeah. You just, yeah, you laugh. We we did the, the, we were in the same, we were watching a later screening uh, on, on a Tuesday night and, we There's were, maybe a dozen people in there. Maybe a dozen people there, but there, 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 there were two ladies. There were two ladies on the road just behind us. Who every time I looked at you and we were just reacting to stuff, I could see their reaction. And at that moment, one of them was pissing herself, yeah. and the other one had her hands over her mouth and was just like, oh. <laughs> I couldn't believe that had just fucking happened to you and McGregor. <laughs> it was so good. I, we, we, all, we, we, well. we audibly screeched with laughter at that moment. There it was, was just so shocking. There was some serious catharsis of... Um, of very misogynistic people getting fucking murdered to shit. Yeah. In this film. Yes, 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 yes. Because um, yes. that's the thing, they, they really do set up how much of a fucking scumbag. Like Zaz and... And Roman and Roman, regardless of their of the nature of whatever sexual or not or nor not sexual relationship that they have, they very clearly both hate women. Yeah, yeah, like hate that. Like there's there's that thing of of when Canary becomes um, becomes uh, Black Mask driver after the previous his previous driver's legs are broken by Harley. In one of the film's many broken leg sequences, um, that there's that in in instant intense jealousy. Yeah, yeah, and that, it's, it's... that distrust and everything that comes with it. <clears throat> the, na- um, the nasty fuckers who, and again, it's that catharsis. It's that thing of they don't make a point of saying like his one big bugbear is women. No, he loves women. He clearly does. 
But he loves women the way he loves everything else, without any regard for the individual yeah. or the fucking as objects. Yeah, he, he as, loves them. He as, loves them as objects. As um, this is my club. Are you laughing at me? Right. Yeah. If you want to laugh at me, fucking get on the table and strip you stripper out of this outfit. This is my club. It's like the fuck is happening. But again, he's so untouchable. And everyone's so afraid of him. Everyone's just no one does a thing because they can't. Because this is the biggest fucking kingpin in all of Gotham right now. He's about to become bigger. So they do play that. They, pl- I mean, come on. When he, oh God, the guy who's like part of the, uh, was it what they call the Golden Lions? Yeah. So they're like a, they're like yeah. a small criminal operation, but they've, but they've been, been around for decades. Been around for a hundred years. Yeah, uh, and they're, they're 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 respectable, like within the thing. You like all oh, the crime families yeah. don't mess with them. So, like, it, they do their thing. They don't true on anyone it's else. It's some kind of East Asian crime. It doesn't doesn't say exactly where they're from. I think, but it's like an East Asian crime family that have, and it's there. And we, we see their we Gotham. see their meetings out of order. We yeah. see we see the conclusion, and, and then we see like the the meeting the night before, where essentially a couple of days before, where Sionis is like, right, I'm building a big thing. You guys have a lot of pull. We want you to be a part of yeah, this. Yeah, come in like, on this. You guys are legendary. We want yeah. you to be a part of this. And the guy's like, we're a family business. He's like, right, be part of our family. After he's like, no, it's like with all due respect, fuck family. The Golden Lions are a family business. Fuck family, fucking 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 family. It's a fucking illusion. With all due respect, <laughs> it's just like oh yeah. my god. But you can tell that he's by the end of that meeting. This is how volatile he is. He tells him to sleep on it. Talk to that beautiful wife of yours. See what she says. But you can tell he's already made his mind up. Oh yeah, like he's already made. He's not giving him a night to think about it. Unless the guy at the docks, when they are fucking tied upside down, him, his wife, and his daughter, unless right there and then he's like, right, we'll join you. Sionis isn't changing his mind about killing them. Yeah. To send a message to the gangs that, look, if I propose you, you join now. Face cut off, wife's throat slit, and then they're going to let the kid live. And while she's crying, a snot bubble comes out of her nose. Like... (laughs) Roman is grossed out by that and so casually he's like no oh no I've changed my mind kill her <laughs> peel then, it off peel yeah. it off and then Zaz kills the daughter and you're like this is horrific yeah so it is so cathartic in so many ways and I imagine even more so because there's a perspective on this film as much as we loved it and as much as we got the themes and, and the things it was toying with and playing with and things it was highlighting there's one perspective we are never going to have, and that's the female perspective on this film. Yeah, yeah. We can empathise and understand it, but we'll never really get it. I can imagine that there is a lot of catharsis in seeing absolute fucking pigs like these two taken out. Like, there must be. Because obviously there are experiences we will not have because we're not women that female viewers of this film will have lived through and can see depicted in these absolute scumbags. Mm. And it's just... It must be so, like... Like affirming, do you know what I mean? It's it's just you'd think, wouldn't you? And I hope so. I hope it's doing. I hope it's doing that for people. I hope people are having fun with it. And I want people who've not seen to have fun with it. If you if you listen to this spoiler section, having not seen it but just not really caring about it because you're maybe not going to go see it, please do. Yeah, it's really good. You will have so like what we what we have talked about cannot take away from how solid the action is choreography the use of music there's a lot of like like there's a lot of like 80s late 80s and guitar hero 3 songs yep. in this film yeah the use of barracuda in particular um easter eggs easter eggs easter eggs um obviously there's a lot of new 52 nods with costume stuff the stuff yep. beaver things like that uh there's a tv playing in montoya's apartment just before the third act fully kicks in it's a little and again like they're sort of going on that thing of it's it's there's modern day technology but they're going for that 
that tried and tested Batman trope of non-specific time period for this film. Like, the East End of Gotham is very much just like a very multicultural East End of any inner city area. There's no, like, big neon TV screens, like, and plasmas or anything with the news on. There's no stuff like that. Roman's Club is very traditional gangster club. Like, they're not going for the 30s aesthetic of the animated series or the Burton films. Yeah. But they are going for that non-specific, timeless kind of vibe. It's it's an 80s cop movie, but it's also kind of a weird fever dream film. But it's also kind of this. The only thing that sort of consistently reminds you it's present day is the use of smartphones. Like, people have smartphones in the movie. But Renee's TV is this tiny, piddling little fucking thing in black and white. Which again just added to that non-specific. Like her whole apartment looked like it had been, yeah, it, it, it had been decorated in the forties, and then someone had taken it and put it now. Yeah, and that's just what it looks like. I mean, yeah, yeah. The bourbon bottles and everything near a makeup mirror. And it's just like, oh my god. Um, on black and white TV is a Piero performing, and on first glance, I thought it was the Piero from like the, the clowns in the white outfits. <laughs> I thought it was the one who's from the Batman uh, 66 episode that the Joker then hijacks the TV broadcast of and he dresses as him. And If you've ever seen that really famous gif of Cesar Romero's Joker dressed as a clown, it's from this episode. And I thought that's what it was. After I got home, I was like, I just want to confirm that's the case. <laughs> Turns out, no. Uh, the black and white and the tiny image kind of threw me. And the fact that that's the mental image that comes to my mind when I think of Batman Easter eggs. And if you yeah. show me a Piro, I'm like, oh, it's it's thingy dressed as the, as the Piro. Nope, it's a clip from the soap opera Days of Our Lives from the late 80s. Specifically, a clip from a dream sequence where a character, played by character actress Arlene Sorkin, is dressed as a Piro, as a clown. The very same clip that she shared with her friend Paul Dini that made him go, right, Arlene, um, I've wanted to do a clown sidekick for the Joker for a while. Do you want to voice her? It's very good. The origin of Harley Quinn is an Easter egg in this movie. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Yeah. That is absolutely brilliant. Because again, for those who don't know, Arlene Sorkin was the voice of Harley Quinn for about uh, just under 20 years. She voiced her. She voiced her up until 2011. Um, other, other people dipped in and out, but she was like the prominent voice of Harley Quinn. Her last gig as Harley Quinn was uh, 2009's Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Um, and then she officially, like, sort of, it was announced that she wasn't returning to Arkham City in 2011, just before Arkham City came out, and that Tara Strong had taken over the role of Harley. She's done a great job with it, and other actors have done good jobs with it since, and other actors have done really shit jobs with it since. <laughs> um, I'm looking at you, what's her name from Big Bang Theory, who voices her in the, the terrible, oh god, have you watched it? I've seen the first half hour and I had to stop watching, um, Batman Harley Quinn. No, I've not seen it. Because it's, it's, it's canonical, unquote, to the animated series. It's set in the world oh, of Justice League God. in the series. And it's awful. And uh, I think it's Melissa Ranch plays her in that. She's just not a good Harley. None of the guest voices are good voices. Like, none of them yeah. are. Uh, and it's 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 even weirder when you're like, that's Conroy, that's uh, freaking Nightwing. Can't remember his name now off the top of my head, but the guy voices Nightwing. That's them. You know, Patrick Harris. Why does everyone... No, not in um, not in that one. Because oh, okay. um, uh, it's the same guy who played Robin and Nightwing in, in the animated series. Oh, right, right, this. Right, right. But it's like, they sound the same and they all look the same. What's going on? Uh, I've not watched it yet, but uh, I really want to get hold of the Harley Quinn animated series. There's no way to watch it, unfortunately, without getting DC Universe, and there's still no fucking UK subscription for that. Nope. And it hasn't been put on any platform over here yet, but all the clips I've seen of it look amazing. It basically looks like a compliment to this film. Well, it's it... an R-rated swear film. Yeah, yeah. Quinn cartoon. And it's um, Abby Jacobson. 
from uh, Broad City. Yeah, and she sounds great. She sounds like Harley. Mm. She fucking sounds like Harley. Did you spot the Poison Ivy nods in this? There's a couple of them. I did not. Um, so at the beginning, we see Harley, <clears throat> we see during the animated opening, which was gorgeous, we see, which is told in that, it's sort of that, that yeah, that's Betty, really Be- nice. Betty Boop slash Tex Avery really kind nice. of look to it all. We see her talking about past relationships and it does like a slot machine thingy. One of the relationships is her with another woman because Harley Quinn canonically is bisexual. Yeah. We see another woman. That woman is coloured. You see her very briefly. She's coloured in the slots. The slots are all different colours. Yeah. It's like one of them's like blue, one of them's like orange. Hers is green. The hair is a purple, which usually when you like green shade a picture, red turns to purple. Yeah. Uh, and she just sort of winks briefly and then it moves to the next thing. And I was like, oh, that's that's a very subtle use of colour to kind of go, oh, a little Poison Ivy-esque nod. One of the big cutouts in the funhouse at the end uh, is a green cutout of a woman uh, with uh, flowers all over her head. Ah. She's like, oh, that's nice. That's ah. cute. That's cute. Little nods to Poison Ivory and the fact those two, like, like Harvey's romantic relationships within fiction, there are two significant ones and the, her and the Joker is obviously the big one everyone knows and her and Poison Ivy is the other. Because they've not been, until recently, they've not been strictly romantic. Yeah. But it, there had been a lot of implications of a physical relationship. Um, and then in recent years, they've elaborated on that a bit more to be like, no, these guys have, they've basically been like non-attached. They've been flexible. That's who they are. Like when she's been living with her, they have been a thing, but not strictly. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's just fucking adorable because it means <laughs> that she's finally getting to a point where she's detaching herself from her previous like obsession. It's going away. Yeah. She's opening up to the point where she's having a not strict relationship with Ivy, but enough of a relationship she's like, I'm going to be romantically involved and vulnerable around you in a way where obviously she clearly never was going to be again. Yeah. But it's like, no, Ivy's found it. Because Ivy ultimately, again, depends on who's writing her, isn't just a, my babies, my children, like sci-fi plant monster. (laughs) Like, a lot of the time she has that as part of her character, but she's also a human being who can be a villain, who can be an anti-hero and you know I, I always find yeah. I always find femme fatale facade anti-hero but could totally flip a dime to be a villain like if it suits her needs Ivy to be the more interesting one than, yeah than the complete femme fatale one or the sci-fi plant villain one. I can get that like that in-between one's always a lot more fun for me definitely like, she's um, just sexed up yeah because she uses that on purpose to do shit <laughs> should we move on to this week's email no what are we going to talk about then? Yeah, okay. That's, uh... Didn't have anything in your back pocket then, did you, Chris? Thought you were smart. Thought I... you pulled one over on me. I bet I do have at least one thing in my back pocket. What do you have in your back pocket? It's a doggy bag. Oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow. This one comes in from friend of the show, CDM, good old Charlie. Yo, Charles. Uh, he says, he says, hello, me big damn boys. Um, that's what he sounds say like that now. in a lusty voice. That's what it sounds like now. Uh, from the Ashes of Suicide Squad's poultry, 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Has Birds of Prey been reborn with a mighty 92? It's down to 80 now, but still, yeah. still a lot better than 27. Um, <laughs> Mostly from audience scores, weird. Yeah. Which makes you think that it is one of those, like, people are just downvoting it for the sake. Because it's got women in it, it's got the woms in it. Um, <clears throat> it's up there as one of the most dramatic upswings in quality as far as the arbitrary RT score goes, anyway, in movie history. Which is an encouraging sign for the DCU moving <laughs> forward, but also a further damning indictment of just how wrong they got the whole thing first time around. Yeah. Question the first. 
What dramatic changes would you make with the lowest rungs of DCEU to make their follow-ups follow a similar trajectory? Uh, question the second. What other sequels in pop culture do you feel similarly bettered the original in every single way? I shall ban you from T2. This is the easiest and rightest answer. Right, so first question. First question. What? So. Oh, and then he says Tatty Bye. Yes, Tatty Bye. <laughs> uh, so, what would we make? What, what change would we make in future DC sequels from their predecessors to make them sim- a similarly. a similar mm-hmm. improvement? On the, that original, as so it's, this so it, was on, so it's got to be something Suicide that Squad. missed the mark the first time. So and how we'd change it to make it BVS, better. A Man of Steel, Justice League. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I'd do. Oh, I. I'll make another Superman movie. I'd keep Henry Cavill. Yeah. And I'd let him enjoy himself. <laughs> You'd bring. I, I'd, I'd get. I'd bring. I'd bring, uh, keep him away from the interns, I'd bring Whedon in to write the story or co-write the screenplay. Because those flashes of hope from Superman, nice moments in Justice League, were all from his reshoots. I'd like... And it was like, oh, there's Superman. There he actually is. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind Abrams taking a, sh- a shot at it, but I would have him under strict instructions... To direct but not contribute to the story. To leave that fucking mystery box out of it. Yeah. No setting up bullshit for later on. No unanswered questions. Just tell a good fucking One nostalgia, yeah. nostalgia-filled, um, like throwbacky. Uh, make Super Eight, but with Superman. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Because I really like Super Eight. Um, I think Superman's a good way to go because that character does need. It needs something, man. It needs. It needs. Um, a story which is. Which, there are hints of it in Man of Steel, but it, it goes out of the way when it gets to the Kryptonians punching each other around stuff. Which is impressive in a way, but it's not the it's not what makes Superman interesting. It it needs to have him... Because they tried to talk about this in Justice League and BVS, but you don't really see it in action. Yeah. It needs to have him as that inspiration, as that, that person who brings out the best in people. Which is what makes him... <clears throat> yeah, he can lift the heavy shit and he can fly and he can he's super strong and, and he's bulletproof and whatever but what makes him really strong as a character is the way he can inspire people and the way he can bring out the best in them and you need to sort of see that in the film so I think for, definitely not have Lex Luthor in it have something like have something like Brainiac I have something like the threat yeah. of Brainiac and it, maybe not and Brainiac, it's not just... maybe someone like Mongol. Yeah. So someone it's... that's otherworldly, but you can have a bit more fun with. Because you can't really have fun with yeah. Brainiac. Like, wh- whatever story Brainiac's in, kind of has to be gloomy and dark well, and Well, it, it's something about where it is It is a global threat. And it is, you know, there is a figurehead to it that Superman can punch in the face. Yeah. And make go away. But there is also an element of uh, Superman has to rally other people. Yeah. To sort of combat this thing. And he has to kind of be everywhere at once to yeah. keep people safe and give, keep them inspired. Give us a story that showcases the man. Yeah. Um, what, not you, the super. what you need to do then is you need to not get rid of his powers per se, because that's a bit of a trope. But you need to but, put him in a situation that his powers can't solve. Yeah. So, my proposal is you either tell a story, it's shortcut, you either tell a story involving Parasite. Okay. Because you could do some fun, scary visuals. Yeah, with that. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
and you, you go animated series style Parasite. So he's that kind of like snarky criminal thing of like, oh, for God's sake, it's you again! <laughs> and all that sort of stuff and all that. Or you you do a story with like a, a, a Brainiac level of interference of some kind. Yeah. Some, something that can absolutely put Metropolis, at least, yeah. in danger. But you have it introduced as something that is a hopeful thing. Brainiac seems like the obvious for this thing I'm about to propose, but maybe someone else. Because I think it's you should like, say Brainiac for like more. I have come to your world to eliminate poverty and hunger it's gotta be and something pollution. Nice, but and... whatever it is has to have on them the bottled city of Candor. Yeah, yeah. And you have to be like, oh my god, I've travelled across the stars to try and find you because I'd heard that there was a Kryptonian here on Earth. I don't know what to do with this. Like, I find curiosities. That's why you should have a villain who's more eccentric and oddball. Like, I find curiosities. I find weird things around the universe, like things with stories and this and the other. I have hold of this thing that is believed to be the city of Candor from Krypton. Like, it was once said that a great, and there's how you can subtly seed some it for later, yeah. that, a, that a, a, a great darkness fell upon, like, Candor, this thing from out of the stars that was collecting, like, sort of cities. Yeah, and it was and Seed Brainiac. Seed Brainiac. Yeah. And, and you're like, and, and it, I don't know if it's real, but, like, when I heard <clears> you were here, you're the only person who can find out. Uh, like, I've got this whole thing. I've got, like, this shrink thing or like shrink ray or whatever this that and the other blah, blah, blah. if it is kryptonian it'll work and the only way it'll work is if if a kryptonian uses it and, and then if it is real you can go in and, and you can talk to them and maybe try to find a way to you know keep them safe maybe we could find a new home for it so you have a story where you take superman into an environment where he gets to learn about his people the yeah. nice side of it because all we've seen in these movies is them being fucking covered in armor i will find him yeah, weird shit. imperialist like, dickheads show us the nice metropolis, uh, metropolis shows the nice cities of Krypton. Also like, shows, shows the nice that. metropolis. Oh, that too, absolutely. Because there's the thing you can have that thing where he learns about his people, and it's about it's about he's happy as Clark, but what happens where he learns about he's Superman? You have a bit of an yeah. identity battle there. Um, but this is where you get it. Thingy, this person or this entity, whatever the villain is, has set it up so that eventually this bottled thing is just going to be fucking destroyed. Like yeah. it's going to die off. <clears throat> And Superman doesn't know that ticking clock element until he's in there because he's going in there to be like, oh my god, they're real, and I learned about my people, and we're going to find a way to like get you out of here, and or whatever it is, it's and the other, and then he learns that it's all going to end. But of course, the longer he's inside this, the further away from Earth's yellow sun yeah. he is, and he goes back to his natural Kryptonian state of just being a citizen. Like he's not super powered, he's not unique. Meanwhile, whatever the thing is that's all lovely and nice that brought it here in the first place is now like, is he gone? Fucking great! Okay! Metropolis, hi! Um, you're mine now. Uh, do you know what I mean? You yeah, just kind of, yeah. you do something like that, like, you know. I don't know. Just that, or, that's, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, or you have someone trap him in Candor purposely to then take it back to sort of Paymaster. Yeah. So have like, you can't get away with Lobo, but you have a Lobo-like figure who's the one who arrives in the first place. Yeah. And he's like, oh my god, you can help me with this. Do you know what I mean? Um, Fuck it, tie Shazam in. Like, have it be Mr. Mind and, and do something with that. Like, you've already set up that he's out there and he's plotting. Or do something magical because Superman's vulnerable <clears throat> to magic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't go Mitzius Picklick yet. No, that's a the bit DCU of The DCU would think. never go that far, no. but it, it depends on how he's used. Imagine they did it in Supergirl. Imagine if he was used more as like a power source for someone else. Yeah. If he was used as a power source for someone else, then you could buy it. Um, the Superman's biggest fan thing, I think, would put a lot of people off. So... Not depower him, yeah, but make it so that he's in a situation where his powers mean fuck all. 
And yeah. it's, it's about the man and his identity. Because like, I want to like him. He's a really nice guy. And we've not seen that nice guy apart mm. from a couple of moments in Justice League. <laughs> and, you the know scene, and the conversational scenes between Superman and Lois in Man of Steel. Yeah. So I want to see more of that. And also, that means that Amy Adams is leading the charge in the Metropolis storyline. Yeah. Like, Lois can actually be an active participant yeah. in this thing. She so. immediately knows that there's something squiffy with yeah. this dude or dudette who's come with Candor and... Um, but Soup's being Soup sees the best in everyone. And if you want her to have a bit more of a of a of a advantage in a fight against something, utilize your DCEU, bring in one other character from the franchise, and have them be in Metropolis yeah. and this, that, and the other. Yeah. Like Metropolis has obviously got to be cordoned off when once it's under its threat. It's got to be so that no one can get the fuck. Do in. something like fucking deep cut that's been in one of the series, like Guardian. Yeah, see that would be fun. Or because um, you see that in the film, the idea yeah. of like I'm inspired by Superman, and this is all thing of like, right? But I mean, so he's got like armor, and he's he's a pretty good fighter. Like yeah. he's proven, and well, he's shield. Like, I think he's I basically don't, Captain America. I don't think he understands the severity of that yeah. stuff. But you know what? Fair enough. And then have them like prove themselves. I'll do some like, Cadmus project shit or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, fucking Flash, even just bring in Flash. Yeah. Have it so that as this thing is completely covering Metropolis, about to section it off from the rest of the world, no one's going to get in. Barry just, like, last second fucking zooms under the barrier. As it <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just that I, whole thing of, like, he's here. I Because also, the DCU Flash is like, yeah, I don't, I've never dealt with anything like this before. No. So you still got a bit of a, an underdog thing. And then that way you get a cool bit of a... Because that's worked for Marvel. Yeah. Like, the solo films. Yeah. Adding an extra superhero in there for, you know, Thor Ragnarok, the upcoming Doctor Strange 2. Directed by uh, Oz the Great and Powerful Sam Rami, I think he's called. Rami. Sam Rami, I don't know. He's got a friend called um, Bryce Bryce Kimball. Bryce like Kimball. Bryce Kimball. Um, yeah. Superman. 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 Batman. I don't think we need to worry about. We'll see what happens with Matt Reeves. <laughs> well, that's separate from the DCEU. You know, yeah. Um, I think I as, as far as the DCEU Batman, I think you either... I don't think you touch it again. You don't touch it as a main character... But I think don't be shy to like write him in moments in other stories and basically pay off like a truckload of money to be like, look, we want you to appear briefly in this film in a scene. Or do Batman Beyond? Because mm, no, because I I like the idea of the DCEU being everyone else, and Batman's yeah. just an element of that world. Because yeah. if you lose Batman, you lose his role. Oh, yeah, you, just lose, him, you lose his Gotham. But just have him semi-retired bankroll in the Justice League. Yeah, have him have him basically make his function as involved as it was in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Maybe he appears in costume, maybe Wayne appears. And it means that in the DCEU, everyone's like, oh, but like, what about Ben Affleck's Batman? Hey, guess what? He still exists. I would, He's still no, doing I would, shit. I would have him retired. But none of the stories... Oh, no, but I mean, like, that character still yeah. exists. But none of the stories are about him. He's the he's the Nick Fury of that world now. I would maybe re- I would have him maybe <gasps> retire him and, and yeah Nick Fury Nick Fury him and do and maybe have Nightwing. If you really want a bat character, yeah. maybe have Nightwing. Yeah. Fuck. There you go. Oh, Batgirl. There you fucking go. There you are. Boom. And then that way you get Batflex still exists, but you don't have to even Dick do Grayson that workout regimen every fucking year. Yeah. And yeah. Even do Dick well, that's how you Batman. do Batman. That's how you do Batman Beyond. You don't do Batman Beyond per se, but you do a film where Bruce just hands it over to Dick Grayson, yeah, yeah. so you get a younger Batman. And then that way, based on how tonally the Matt Reeves film works, it could be very clearly this is that version and this is that version. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, for Justice League, yeah, that's what I do. I have Batman bankroll in Justice League. Yeah, and have it be 
more fun. Booster Gold fucking appears, and they're like, "Wait, what? You're from where?" Or maybe like <laughs> have the league investigating like some spaceship crash, which then leads to the Green Lanterns appearing. Yeah, <laughs> like have Green Lantern appear. Have Green Lantern's origin story woven into Justice League. You can't do Darkseid. That's something they need to avoid. Yeah. Darkseid is a phenomenal character and a really interesting thing. But here's here's your problem. The world knows Thanos now. Yeah. Thanos, a.k.a. the subtle Darkseid knockoff. The subtle Darkseid knockoff. And Thanos has fucking wormed his way into the public consciousness in a way where if Darkseid rocks up, the comparisons are just going to be non-stop. You've implied that Darkseid exists now with, mm. with Steppenwolf and the Mother Boxes and the Parademons. You've implied he exists. Imply that there is bigger. There are bigger threats out there that are interested in Earth. You can still say that. Yeah. But now introduce those other threats. Like do other stuff with that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just Justice League doing something fun in space. Yeah. Because there you go. There's an excuse for Batfleck to to Batfleck it a bit. Like your third act thing of it's all going to shit, and you reverse those roles from Justice League. Have Where it isn't. Oh, these guys are basically. Just holding the fort, but once yeah. Superman's here, it's all dealt with. Have it be like, oh god, Superman included, they're all fucked. Well, and then him... Bruce shows up in a goddamn shuttle yeah. in a Batman space armor and like does the thing that helps them take the advantage. I'll have them like <laughs> tracking down reports of an alien hiding on Earth. Yeah. And then they find <laughs> it's it's John Jones. Yeah. But uh, but he's a he's a good guy, but what are the aliens? Oh no, it's the White Martians! Yeah, son. Oh, that'd be great. Um, that'd be fun that'd be pretty good if you want to do like intergalactic threats I also want to see a semi creepy one with like one of the more fun heroes fighting Toy Man but like DC animated universe like mm. the was doll headed kind mm. of creepy Toy Man not the mm. not the fat smelly paedophile Toy Man of like most recent interpretations yeah which is again a creepy version but they basically just turned him into you know like the basement dwelling yeah. cyber troll and I'm like What's more visually interesting is someone using giant creepy toys. That is way that more is, visually yeah, interesting. That is more fun. Can we just um, have that version, please? We just, can we just make them fun? Yeah. Make them really interesting. Um, yeah. Turn the light balance up a bit. There's a little bit. Um, so what other sequels in pop culture do you think were a massive improvement? Uh, hmm, they've got to they've be just like, a, oh, that was what the first one could have been. Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. Yes! Because I don't know if you've seen Star Trek yes. the motion picture. It's kind of dull. That's, that's, the, one, that's the one with God, isn't it? Isn't the first no, that's, one. that's five. That's, that's Final Fantasy. What would God? Uh, what would the starship? God. Um, no, uh, the, <laughs> the motion picture is Vija. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. And the whole thing only exists not because they had a story to tell, but because Star Wars did well. And we've got the Star Pretty Trek much. property we've not done anything with. So, Pretty hey, much. should we get the cast back together and make a film? Well, they were working on Phase 2, mm. which is the original title for what would become Next Generation. Yeah. And a lot of those elements are in the motion picture. Like, the captain character in that, whose name I can't remember, is like a prototype version of Picard. Riker. Oh, Riker. Oh. Yeah. And um, and also the theme music's the same. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. Um, it, it's, it's an odd one. It's, it's an odd it's, one. But but Rathacon, Khan's great because it's just a much better film in every way, and yet it's also a deep cut. It's a sequel. It's a sequel to, to a one-off fucking TOS episode from over twenty years prior. So it dives into the mythology. It's in. It does interesting things. It yeah. has stakes. It kills a fucking major character at the end, although not permanently. From uh, but... hard, I stab at thee. Yeah. <laughs> 
very good. Ricardo um, Montalban, so good. Um, yeah, what sequels vastly improve on the original? That's tough because that's quite rare, isn't it? It I, is quite I, rare. I'm not sure I entirely agree with the T2 comparison because for me, they're just two very different genres. I think T2 one's is... A, one's a horror, a sci-fi horror, and one's a sci-fi action film. I think Terminator 2 is a lot better, though. Oh, it's definitely a better film. But when a film is as good as The Terminator, yeah. it takes a film like Terminator 2 to best it because it's so... Yeah. I think that was... Yeah, that was more... For me, that was more a case of, this is great. Terminator How are we going to top it? Oh, we topped it. Terminator 2 is nearly perfect. But like, uh, are we talking exclusively films that... Things that didn't work and then was improved? No, just... Well, uh, I guess not. Because I don't think there are any, anything that comes to mind where it was awful and then the sequel was really good. Um, I'm trying to think if there are things it's, that are better. It's unique, isn't it? Like, it's like Empire Strikes Back is better than A New Hope any day of the week. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but all new, day long. But like again, I, I, but I, it's not like A New Hope is, is, is your, bad. Yeah, is your family friendly um, fairy tale? Oh, Logan. Yes, f- yes, a thousand times. Logan is way better. Yes, than any than, X-Men movie. Than any X-Men movie, and particularly Origins Wolverine and the Wolverine. I don't hate the Wolverine, but then again, I've taken to tuning out before the but final twenty minutes yeah, happens. It's, it's not. It's not like actively bad, and it is the same director. It's and just it's like it's James Mangold working uh, it, working it up. He's working his way up to yeah, Logan. It's like it's it's fine. It's, it's a bit eh, whatever. Logan is a definite answer. Um, Jesus Christ, that is a Logan, really really good um, answer. Hot damn, sir! Um, if we're talking series, uh, not necessarily number twos. Oh, Prisoner of Azkaban. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a vast improvement. I think that's vastly it's a defined than the first style, two Harry so defined that the rest of the directors then just use that style. For yeah, the the which means it never gets that good again. Yeah, because they don't get Alfonso Cuarón back. Uh, Wonder Woman's the first one in the DCEU where you're like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah, yeah, but I think I think though I don't I think we're speaking about direct follow-ups. Direct follow-ups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. I mean, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, he's a lot Thor's, better than the, the Dark Thor World. Series, yeah. and, and he's better than Thor as well. I don't think... I think Thor's still quite good. Thor's one of those trilogies where the rare thing happens where the third act is the best the one. The third act is the best one. <laughs> and it looks absolutely. like the fourth one could absolutely be on the same level. Yeah. Um, complete with Christian Bale. What the fuck? As opposed to uh, something like The Hobbit where they get worse as they go. The Dark Knight. Uh, Batman yes. Begins is a really solid movie, but The Dark Knight is is a next level piece of fucking media. And, and then The great. Dark Knight Rises happens, yeah, and it's just a bit of a mess. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are there are there any are there any outside of like genre stuff where it's I like don't know. I'm uh, I, Godfather I, Part Two. An argument could be made for that. Yeah. I think. I mean, Godfather again, Stone Cold Classic. Yeah. But there's something yeah, yeah. about Part Two um, um, that does take it up a notch. Cheeky little nyotch. Nyotch. Good uh, sir. I'm trying to think of any like if any horror franchises do that, but I think they're notorious for diminishing returns, if anything else. <laughs> True. Um What are you talking about? Spiral's gonna be amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you talking about? Saw six is the best one. Um it's I mean not. actually it's, it's entertaining. It's, it's they're all they're all fairly entertaining, it's let's entertaining. be honest. But um, um <laughs> If we're talking thematic series, Hot Fuzz. Shaun of the Dead is great, but then you see Hot Fuzz and you go, fuck me, Shaun of the Dead was a warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead was a warm-up for what you were capable of, Edgar. Um... <laughs> yeah. Pretty damn fun. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, Gremlins two. Gremlins. The new batch. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick uh, have a look. <laughs> oh, congratulations on not dying by Gremlin, by the way. Yes, you survived. Uh, I've got some I've got some wounds, but I'm, I'm you did right. you did some you did some damn fine yeah. um, monster wrestling acting in that video. You did yourself proud, son. Mm. <laughs> what we call in the business tentacle acting, reverse shots. Yeah, I love a tentacle acting with the the Gremlin grabbing you. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh god oh apparently The Bride of Frankenstein is way better than Frankenstein but I've not seen either so I couldn't I'll tell be you. honest I've seen them both but not like back to back and I, not for a long time and I think I saw them reverse order I saw Bride of Frankenstein in my teens and I saw Frankenstein about four years ago so I'd have to watch them again to see oh yeah The Road Warrior is way better than Mad Max yes way better than yes. Mad Max yeah, that's and Fury one. Road is better than all of them yes oh god um Sweet Jesus. What uh, yes. else is on this list? Uh, <laughs> Bumblebee. Evil Dead Two. Yeah, yeah. Because Evil, Evil Dead Dead's is, great. Because it's, it's basically vi- a remake of Evil Dead. It, it's for the first like yeah. two minutes. Yeah, Evil Dead is visceral and important as far as independent film goes, and important as far as horror goes, and, and has some great performances and brilliant ideas, but. In terms of technique, execution, um, stakes, that weird Sam Raimi humour that becomes his signature going forward. Mm. Like Evil Dead 2, yes. Yeah, fucking hell I'd just say Bumblebee. Bumblebee, yeah. Bumblebee, it's the best of any of the Transformers live action films. Hands down. Shit's on the previous five. Did you see it? Not yet. It's on now TV, I think. Although... It's worth it a can't watch. take that much to beat number five. I no, mean, well, number five yeah, is exactly. The, I've seen number one, number two, and number five. And number five, I remember the only thing we really got from it was, well, Hopkins looks like he's having a fucking ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he quite clearly is. Um, but no, you should give it a watch. It's on our TV at the moment. It is good fun. Uh, it's really good. Uh, but yeah, nothing, not a lot comes to mind. I think it's quite rare. It's not necessarily rare that sequels are better, but it's very rare that sequels are a huge improvement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because usually if that first film was that bad, they don't get a sequel. They don't do it, number um, two. They don't do it, number two. Yeah. No. I'm just, I'm just looking through various lists on my own, looking at some of these and going, really? Way better? I mean, again, if we're looking at series, this one, again, doesn't count, but it's sort of a series. The best carry-on movie for my money is Carry On Screaming. It's the only mm. one that really holds up. Because all of its jokes, both dirty and aged badly and otherwise are built around the tropes of a genre. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's the only carry-on movie... Well, carry-on carry on cowboy as well, a little bit. But it's the only carry-on movie that isn't just like... Like, repackaged. Oh, boobs. Oh, this, Ooh, that, the other. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Sid James. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, Sid James isn't even in this one. I think it's like the one he's not in. Um, but carry-on screaming is a parody of Hammer Horror and the Universal Monster yeah. movies. And as a result survives way better than any of the other films in a current landscape, mm. but is also obviously a superior film in its own series because it's just so well observed and so well written. The performances are memorable as fuck and the cameos are really memorable and that the actual horror aspects are really freaky. It's great. Oh, another comedy. Um, Return of the Pink Panther. Okay. It, it's the... Th- Third film in that series, Pink Panther and A Shot in the Dark, 
And then Return of the Pink Panther is made by a different studio, but they finally negotiated it to actually be in the same box set. So if you buy a box set now, it's got it in. Mm. Um, but that is uh, that is undoubtedly superior to the first. The Pink Panther is a great film, but not many people have seen it. They just think they have. Yeah. Because they're like, oh yeah, it's Inspector Clouseau, isn't it? And there's the fucking thing. It's like, nope. He's a character in it. It's David Niven's fucking criminal, Charles Litton, the Phantom. That's what it's about. It's about a guy trying to steal a diamond at a big function in this manor house. Also, people think of the cartoon as well. Yeah, which then isn't helped by the fact that the cartoon's inspired by the animated intros to the films in the series from yeah. the second one going on. Because the second one's a shot in the dark. has nothing to do with the Pink Panther. Clouseau's the main character in this one. Yeah. It's great. It's really fun. It's a seller's comedy where he's playing Clouseau, one of his finest characters. Great. But then it's Return of the Pink Panther... Which is is just so good. And then all the rest of them are still fun. But like, Return of the Big Panther is like, Oh! Oh, this is how funny this can be. You've taken the character from the first one we all really liked, made him the main character, and turned it into an excellent farce of police and detective movies. This is brilliant. Um, it's also got all those weird little shitty jokes in it. Like he sees the busker outside with the dog and he's like, Is your dog bad? He's like, No. And gives the dog a stroke and it fucking bites him on the hand. He's like, I thought you said your dog did not bite. That is not my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. On that note, I think we should go. And watch Return of the Pink Panther? No. No. Oh. Have a very hot shower and burn myself for allowing you to put that fucking <sighs> choke on the air. On the internet. <laughs> on the air internet. You're just mad that I reminded you the Carry On series exists, aren't you? Oh! Oh, Sitch, we don't harass a bus full of schoolgirls, Sitch. There are people who love those movies, and then there are also people who know those movies are problematic as fuck. There are people who love those movies, and there are people who respect women. Um... <laughs> But I'm carrying on screaming, which is completely based in tropes. No, no, you, it's, it's more than possible to like something and acknowledge the fact that it is deeply problematic. But carry on screaming is still the best one. Yeah. Anyway, if you think carry on screaming is the best carry on movie, or other thoughts, let us know. Bigdumbcontact at gmail.com for a long form email. It's like a letter, but you type it. Yeah. You can also support the show on patreon.com slash bigdamncast, which gets you early access to videos. Live stream notifications are plenty. Commentaries months in advance and many, many more. You can also follow us on Twitter at Big Damn Cast. Uh, and uh, what else? I don't know. Fucking snail mail. If you want to mail yeah. us summit. Uh, Did you mention Big Damn Stream? Send it a postcard to twitch.tv slash Big Damn Stream. Yeah. Or just watch us play games on it. Yeah. What are you playing this week? Coming. Uh, up I played Effect? a little bit of Resi 5. I probably might play it. Come on Friday. I don't know. It's 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 Valentine's Day. We might do something together. Oh. We might do some more Resi 5 and co-op on Valentine's Day. Uh, with Jill Valentine? No, we did no, that fight already. Yeah. She's not in five. Well, she's in five, but she's a boss. Boss lady. Hashtag boss. Bo- uh, girl boss. Um, although we did kind of... Re- that, on the last stream, we got really frustrated because Wesker's a dick to beat. <laughs> You're beating his dick? You're beating Wesker's dick. Michael Jackson. Um. Fucking ball reference there. Uh, see you next time, guys. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, bye.